It's loud in my headphones. It looks could, okay to me. It I, looks I, okay. I couldn't hear myself over the music. Okay, okay, okay. It looked okay. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to the Batter Round. I'm your host, Paul Valley. This is my co-host and executive producer, Zach. Apparently, I'm, I'm a terrible producer because I just I've been doing this for how long now, and I still that, have that music, that too music loud. was extraordinarily terrible, too terrible, too loud. terrible, extraordinary, unbelievable. Guys, so I had a dream last night. Uh oh. That you love Bruce Springsteen. I know. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that was a fun little argument we had this week. Uh, yeah, dude, you were the only one I'm that came correct. after me. I'm just correct. So, somebody told me if no, you don't. There was another guy I saw in your in your replies who really came out. It, that, it, I did it, not was, say it that. was a woman. It was a woman, and, oh, okay. and, and okay, she and she said, "Bruce Springsteen is a wonderful musician and a wonderful human being who does everything to help others. If you don't like him, you don't need to dump on him. Just move on." Mm. I didn't dump on the guy. I didn't say that. I didn't dump. All I said was, "I don't get the obsession." He has songs that I like. There are songs that Bruce Springsteen has mm-hmm. that I enjoy. I didn't Good. say he was crap. I just don't get why people think that he is like the grandest musician that's ever lived. Because he is. But he's not. He is. But he's not. We'll, we'll table this discussion. Uh, anyway, so I had, we'll this dr- I had this dream last night. That I started this show by saying, good morning, it is a beautiful Saturday. Guys, it is not a beautiful Saturday. Today sucks. All right. The, the, the sun is starting to poke its head out a little bit here. I'm starting to see a little bit of blue skies. But it's like 20 degrees outside. It snowed last night and then wind and ice and all that. So it was treacherous getting in here today. Today sucks. Winter sucks. This is like the longest, most drawn-out winter that I can remember in a really long time. Yeah, I mean, I feel like last winter we had a few warmer days where it was, you know, up mm-hmm. in like the, the 40s, 50s, which is fine in the winter. But right now it's like It's teens, consistently teens been day. in the 20s. Yeah, it's been for, brutal. For, for a good bit now. I'm, I'm, I'm getting over it at this point. Now, you know I'm ask, a cold weather guy, but I'm over it. A- a- ask me next January if that's the longest winter, because I probably feel this way every year. I don't remember you saying that last year, though. But, no, th- this winter has been, it's just this month, the month of January, mm-hmm. and maybe it's because there's literally no baseball. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to talk about. Even with the CBA stuff, yeah. they, they met twice. Um, both sides made some concessions, but that doesn't mean that they're close right. to getting a deal done. We're hoping. We saw the Orioles have their, their uh, moving day, their truck day, Whatever that's called. Is that what it's called? Trucking day yeah, or whatever? Yeah, we'll, we'll call it that. <laughs> yeah, whatever that day is. We saw that they had that this week where they moved all their stuff down to Sarasota for their minor leaguers. Uh, and something I forgot, D.L. Hall's on the 40-man roster. Right. So he can't play in the minor leagues. Uh, he can't play in the minor leagues until a new CBA is reached. Yep. So we're looking at... There's not a lot going on. There's not a lot going on with no. baseball. And so... It's maybe making the winter months because usually right now you're getting spring training fever, but it's hard to get spring training fever when you don't know if it's coming. Right, right, and that's the biggest thing. I mean, we we don't know if it's going to get you know get off in the end of, of end of February, which is usually when it starts, and it's a big question mark at this point. What's going to happen uh, across all levels of baseball? We know the minor leagues will get off to a start eventually, and and the Orioles are doing mini camps right now down in Sarasota. Um, go to Eric Garfield's Twitter if you want to see a bunch of, of videos of that. He's got tons of videos of Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstad and all those guys down there. 
And it's generally the it's the guys who aren't on the forty man roster. It's the Gunnar Hendersons of the world. But the you know most of the good prospects that are not named uh, DL Hall are down there at the moment. So it's great to see. And and a lot of these guys are are you know look like they're in really good shape and hitting a lot of uh, hitting a lot of bombs, making some good contact from what I've seen from the videos. That's positive, and that's really the only baseball we have at the moment. We know Brandon Hyde is running that camp. I believe I saw Cousins there. I, some other guys I think are are at that camp. Some of the major league coaches. You know what Tim Cousins looks like. Yes, yeah. I don't know what he looks he, like. He's in the dugout all the time, so I just he's he's a bearded guy. He's kind of big. Uh, he looks a little bit like Brandon Hyde, but is like that shorter not, version. Is, Chris Holt is a bearded guy. He, he too. also is. Yeah, he also is. Tim Cousins is a little bit older though than than uh, Chris Holt. But yeah, they yeah. They, they, they all kind of look a little bit alike. All all the new Orioles <laughs> Orioles <laughs> With coaching those big staff. Meat hooks that they yeah, got for right. arms. And uh, so you know that's that's kind of the only baseball we have right now is these mini camps going on in Sarasota. But at least that's something, and at least the prospects like Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstad can kind of kind of get themselves into shape because we know they're not on the 40-man roster and they will be playing minor league baseball in a few months so that's yeah. positive i guess and i just want to remind everybody that the bat around today is brought to you by live casino sports fans the wait is over the all-new FanDuel sportsbook is now open at live casino and hotel in hanover maryland bet on every sport with self-service kiosk i believe they have 51 of them now and watch mm. all the action from the best seat in the house and reserve your spot to watch the big game in the FanDuel sportsbook right now by emailing events at sports social md.com that's events at sportssocialmd.com so i saw those videos that, mm-hmm. that eric garfield put out yep. and the, the, they're they're quite good they're quite entertaining yeah. but we have to take them with a grain of salt well Be- sure because it's, it's, it's batting practice right it's batting practice right. and and machines and that's yeah and and you can anybody jeff rebelate would go out there and put on display mm-hmm. during batting practice because to get to this level, you have to be able to do certain sure. things on a baseball yeah. field. Uh, so all these guys in batting practice can do that. Now, show me against live pitching. If you, sure. it, yeah. if you show me Hessen Kirst, I hit him 430-foot bombs, or um, who's the other? T.T. Uh, Bowens. Is that what his name is? T.T. Yeah. Bowens, yep. yeah. T.T. Bowens. Um, J.D. Mundy's down there as well. Yeah, it, some, it, yeah. Like, I, I saw all these guys raking. If they're doing that against live pitching, that's when I'll get excited. Now, look, it's it's fun to see, and I'm not I'm not a glass half empty kind of guy when it comes when it comes to baseball. It's always, something. There's that, but it's something. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is something. Now we were talking about the CBA negotiations. They met last Monday. All the players came in with concessions. They they came yep. in and they dropped their argument to have free agency by the time you reach a certain age, which Trey Mancini, for example, would be a free agent by now mm-hmm. if, if that were to be put into effect. But they they dropped. That ask, uh, Major League Baseball came back and dropped their ask for um, what? What did they do? Um, I know what the players dropped. I didn't read too much into what Major League Baseball dropped. Oh, they they, they stopped their they dropped their proposal of taking away the salary arbitration from players who have mm. gotten there. So so like they wanted to once you get to arbitration. They wanted to pay you based on your output rather than what the arbitration right. would say, and they dropped that ask. That was the one where they were going to judge it by Fangraphs' war. Yeah, like, right? they, okay. they, they they dropped that ask. That wasn't even a heavily publicized one. That wasn't one. It of was the ones it, it was a, it was a big sticking point. Apparently, it, was it? Okay, yeah. I, I feel and so. Like... So they, they 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 made the concession there. So both both sides are starting to make concessions. They're starting to show a little bit of willingness to have wiggle room. Um, another thing that they're on the same page with, sort of is the bonus money for pre-arbitration players. The Players Union wants $105 million in, bon- in bonus money, so they basically want to have $775,000 as a starting minimum salary. The player, the, the Major League Baseball came back with $10 million. 
in bonus pool money. So one tenth of that. And what mm-hmm. they want to do is they want to pay from zero to one year. They want to pay you six hundred fifteen thousand rather than the six hundred thousand that's set at right now. Yep. Then if you're in years one to two, you get paid six hundred and fifty thousand. And if you're in year three, you get paid seven hundred thousand. Which even in year three is still falling seventy five thousand dollars short of what the players union right. wants. But the, the the thing here is that they're on the same page. Both sides agree that there should be bonus pool money for pre arbitration players and that the league minimum should go up. Um which is good. However, also what the what the um what Major League Baseball wants is no wiggle room on those salaries. So yeah. if you're getting paid six hundred fifteen thousand dollars, your team can't pay you more than that mm-hmm. in your first year of pre-arbitration. Whereas by today's by the old CBA's rules, if it was a five hundred seventy-five thousand dollar league minimum, and your team wanted to show you some good faith and give you six hundred fifty k, they could do that. Um, now what MLB is proposing is you can't do that. The number is what the number is. Yeah. This is what you're getting paid universally. Um, so they're, they're both on the same page. So it looks like this is something that's going to be in the new collective bargaining agreement where there's going to be some bonus pool money and the, the league minimum is going to go up. They just have to find some common ground because right now they're $95 million apart in mm-hmm. that bonus pool. Um, so they're going to have to find some place in the middle. Honestly, I don't even know if they're going to find a place in the middle. It, this is When it comes to spending money, the owners don't really give a lot of leeway. right? So it looks to me like I wouldn't be surprised if, to see – the owners win out on the number here, but the but the players get something of what they want. Yeah, I, I think the the players are going to, and I've been saying this for a while, that the players are going to be the ones that have to make the concessions because they're going to be the ones that are going to want to play in spring training in these next few months. And I, I feel like that these guys are going to start wanting their paychecks and they're going to start wanting to play baseball again. And that's, you know, the biggest thing is, yeah, you can work out at home. You can do all the stuff you want. You can take as many swings off a machine. But the reality is that a lot of these guys want to face live arms. They want to face real pitching. And it's going to come to a point eventually where the players are going to say, okay, we need to be back to baseball. Let's just give them a little bit of what they want. And that's what you are already seeing, you know, happening right here. I mean, you're already seeing these guys saying, okay, Maybe we're not going to get everything we want. Let's give the Major League Baseball a little bit of what they want, make some make some concessions here, and kind of, I, I guess, come to a little bit of a, a compromise. I wouldn't really call it that because the players are almost more giving in, but I think they're going to be the ones in the end who will have to give up the most stuff. And Major League Baseball will have to give up some things too. That's how compromises work. But, you know, unfortunately, they're still far apart on so many issues that I don't really see too many compromises coming in this next two weeks or so. But it's more going to be, con- you know, concessions as opposed to compromises. Yeah. And the thing is, like you like you alluded to, in these situations, when, when you have these these arguments over this, this mm-hmm. sort of thing, the players lose out yeah. every time. And you you wonder if they're digging their feet in the sand and saying, hey, or drawing a line in the sand, excuse me, and saying, we want what we want. Right. We're not going to lose this time because yeah. Tony Clark, for all intents and purposes, got got taken to the cleaners mm-hmm. with the last CBA, and he he was new to it. So he, he there was probably some some learning curves he had to go through and some growing pains, and and he didn't really know what was what was going on this time around. He's not, he doesn't want to let that happen. Ultimately, we're going to have baseball. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a spring training. It may be shortened. I don't think we're going to miss regular season games. Mm-hmm. Knock on wood. I mean, I, I say that, but then a month and a half from now, there, maybe there's still no deal, and now we're we're sitting there like, what is happening? Yeah. So I so I will say one thing. You know, we said last week that March first kind of sticks out in both of our heads as a possible date for this thing to get 
I guess ratified would be the word. But what I would actually say right now is that after them coming to meet two times this week and the concessions that were made, I think we should move that up. I think it's going to be February. I think it's going to be maybe like the middle of the month. We'll say February 15th, 16th. Something like that I think is going to be the date where they end up making a, a full compromise and getting the CBA underway february um, 18th is that what you said no i said like 15th 16th 15th? somewhere around there like the middle of the month uh because spring training i believe the orioles first game is the 22nd or the 25th i could be wrong it's somewhere it's in that. usually like the 23rd yeah it's, it's so usually right around there somewhere around there and and i think that they'll you know just come up to that that brink of spring training and just before it they'll get it done i think that's and it'll be about a week before if it's on the 22nd so i think that makes sense yeah and if anybody has seen on twitter the one guy who says i have sources within the yankees who said that the deal is basically done, and the lawyers are just dragging it out. Don't pay attention to that. If crap. they're not verified on Twitter, the guy was verified. But it, oh, was he? <clears throat> there's, okay. pl- there's plenty of Dan Clark is, is verified. Well, on Twitter, <laughs> there, right. there's there, there's plenty of people that are verified on Twitter. That like the one person who said that Carlos Correa was a, was a done deal to the Tigers. He was verified because he's a he's a podcaster with a big following. Right, right, um, right, right. But it, it, it's not a thing. Don't believe I, everything. I also you're... saw. <clears throat> maybe I'm the only one who saw this. Weeks ago, MLB trade rumors, and maybe it was like two weeks ago, tweeted out Mariners to sign Carlos Correa to minor league deal. I never MLB saw trade that. rumors tweeted that out. I was like, what is this? And then the next tweet under it said, this is just a sign that baseball needs to get its act together and come to an agreement. And then both tweets were deleted. So it was like a joke. Someone playing. I, that, that is. Maybe somebody. It's a bad joke. Maybe somebody went AWOL. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, I mean, it was from MLB trade rumors. Uh, so it was. That's and it, and it got deleted. Unless it was one of those mock things where the, everything looked the same, but like one letter was wrong. Yeah, and I that, just missed that, that probably would have. But was. but the tweets were deleted, mm-hmm. so you can't see them anymore. But I definitely saw that. And so anyway, the whole point of me telling that story is. There's gonna be there's a lot of stuff that people put out there, mm-hmm. like Lamar Jack. The Ravens are gonna to try to trade Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and it's all hogwash. Yeah, it's all garbage. It's not it's not true. You know what? When it's true, because people have nothing else to talk about. <clears throat> right. That's really what it is. Right. When it's true, we'll we'll tell you about it on this yeah. show. You know, not that we're the insiders and and get all the information for everybody else. But but we know what to true, believe. We know what yeah. to believe. Uh, and you know there'll be other reports that we can report on when we're on this show. If if Jeff Passan says it. Yeah, I'll believe it. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. that's that that guy is more involved with this negotiation than basically anybody except the people who work for the major league player, major league baseball players association, and major league baseball. It's or, simple as that. Or Ken Rosenthal, though. Or my, Ken uh, Rosenthal. In, in my head, I literally thought Ken Roethlisberger. Ken Roethlisberger. Well, Ben Ro- who officially Ben Roethlisberger officially announced his retirement. So there goes my and, and Tom Brady planning to this week apparently. Tom Brady's going to retire this week. Uh, one of the verified accounts, and I will send the tweet over to you right now. Said Tom Brady's retiring this week. It was, I believe. Um, Pro Football Focus, maybe? I can't remember exactly what it was. Huh. I'll send you that right now. Tom Brady. See, we talked about this all week. Uh, not all week. but Pro a, Football a, a, Talk. At different points this week, we talked about it where we where uh, Glenn and Drew Forrester of Drew's Morning Dish believe that Tom Brady's going to play football till he's either 50 or wins 10 Super Bowls. <laughs> I um, mean, I, that's kind of what I was under the impression of, that he was going to play till he was like 50 years old. But it seems like and, – and Pro Football Talk is actually ran by Mike Florio, who is a an, a real – he's on NFL Network a lot. He's an he's NFL not insider. Ta- he, he's not taken as seriously as other people. He's still legit, though. But, he's, but he is known and he is legit yeah. and he's like on TV and stuff. Yeah. But And that's funny. I know this is a baseball show, so we won't spend too much time on it. But the thing about Tom Brady, he led the league in passing yards and touchdowns this mm-hmm. year at 44 years old. Yep. So I can totally understand him saying, 
I'm going out not on top because he's not going on a Super Bowl champion, <clears throat> but he's going out at the top of his game. Yep. He's going out at the top of his game. I mean, if you look at Peyton Manning's last year, it was kind of an embarrassment. Yeah. But but it's it's, it's like David Ortiz, who we're going to talk about here yep. a, a little bit, who in his final year was an all-star. I think he won a silver slugger. He, he had like what, 300. He had, <laughs> he had like 318 yeah. his final year. He had close to 30 homers, 100 mm-hmm. RBIs um, in his final year, and then he retired. And with Tom Brady, he talked about his family. And, you know, it's, he said when he's like, at a certain point, it's not just about me. It's about what my family wants, and my kids are getting older, and they want I want to spend time with them. And he, he, he can go out. At the top of his game, I, I, Tom. If Tom Brady retires, like, I'm glad we don't have to. Like, but we haven't had to deal with him in Baltimore for a couple no, of years no. now. Haven't played him in two years. Yeah, it's it's. You're watching the end of the career of the arguably greatest the greatest, of all, the greatest yeah. of all time. I, I, talent wise, I don't think he was the greatest quarterback of all time, but he was the best no. winner. He's, he was the best winner. He's the um. And we'll, again, we'll get to David Ortiz here in a second, but he is the most. Uh, winningest quarterback of all time, obviously, he's most winningest player. I get that's the right word for it. Yeah, I guess. Winningest, winningest. Um, player of all time, and he's one of the best competitors of all time. Definitely not the most talented. I think that would probably have to go to honestly Patrick Mahomes at this point. I think he's the most talented overall. But Tom Brady is an incredible, incredible. I've gained a lot of respect for him in the past few years. I, I have too. I have too. And it's probably because he's not in New England. But, yeah, but, yeah, that's part but, of it. Look, we've spent enough time talking about Tom Brady because um, this is a baseball show. Uh, another thing that happened, um, real quick, but you know what? Let, let's talk a little bit about the Hall of Fame. Okay. Um, famously, uh, David Ortiz was the only member elected to the Hall of Fame this yeah. year. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they fall, and Sammy Sosa fall off the ballot in their uh, after their tenth and final year on the ballot. They, mm-hmm. All three of them came up short. Bonds. Came up, I think he got. Um, he had like uh, sixty one percent or sixty six percent. It was sixty six percent. He yeah. need, he needed thirty more votes mm, to get in, um, or thirty six more votes, something like that. And it's a travesty. It, it, it's a travesty. It and, and and I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm the biggest Barry Bonds fan. I will tell you that I think that that in the history of the game, you will be hard pressed to find five players better than Barry Bonds. Oh, you can't. You'll be very hard-pressed to find it. I Honestly, Um, I I would say Willie Mays is the greatest baseball player of all time. That's my opinion. I think Barry Bonds is two or three. Yeah, it's, for me, Bonds is up there, Griffey's up there, Mays is up there, Ted Williams, um, Babe Ruth, guys like that. Yeah. But, and Babe Ruth, he he did in so many different ways. You know what I mean? But but Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds was the, you know, I don't want to take away from Orioles banter, but... Barry Bonds was the epitome of a five-tool player. Yes. David Ortiz was a one-tool player. And that tool was very good. That tool still wasn't as good as the same tool for Barry Bonds, but it was very good. And this isn't to say that David Ortiz shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. But you can't, and I saw this and somebody said it perfectly, you can't have a museum of baseball and not have Barry Bonds, a prominent figure, in that museum. Well, the thing about it is, is that the Hall of Fame is to recognize the greatest players of all time. No matter what, right? Mm-hmm. Barry Bonds is a top three greatest player of all time. He has more home runs than anyone else. He, I mean, by far, more like MVPs than anybody. More else. MVPs than anyone else. Um, he's more a walks guy, than anybody more walks, else. Highest more on base percentage. I think it's most intentional walks most as well. Intentional walks. The OPS is, I think, one of the we highest are, of all we time. We are stealing thunder from another segment in Fair this enough. show. So we we we're, we're going to talk more. We're going to get really in depth about this because I have I have a very strong opinion on this. Now this is coming from a guy who's argued many times that Griffey was better than Bonds uh, in my younger years. I would disagree with you. It, yeah, well, that like I said, okay, in, in we'll my, save it. In we'll my, save it in my younger years. Um, 
Orioles news, Buck Britton has been named the Norfolk Tides manager. He keeps yep. moving up the system. Um, people think that this is a sign that the Orioles are maybe looking at Buck Britton as their next manager. A little bit hard to say that when your current manager is still here and under contract. And just got an extension. And uh, Well, the extension Not was for, long, but for this season. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about that more in Orioles banter because I have opinions about that as well. Um, but it's a good thing for Buck Britton. When we saw that he wasn't coming back to Bowie, you kind of were like, why Why aren't you bringing Buck Britton back to Bowie? And then you see that he be, he's becoming the manager of the Norfolk Tides. He is very respected in the organization. The players uh, seem to love him. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, Famously, the, the brother of Zach Britton. Yeah. Uh, he was an Orioles minor leaguer, but never really got um, to that same level. Um but this is exciting for Buck Britton, and it should be exciting for Orioles fans because this is a guy that the Orioles seem to really like, and they seem to be kind of pushing him along. And maybe he does find himself a role. Somebody told me, or I, I saw somewhere, maybe heard on the radio, um, that Buck Britton also coaches third base while he manages. And somebody asked him, uh, why do you coach third base? He said, well, it's the quickest way to the majors. And the person, not knowing what to say, said, uh, uh, so is that where you want to get? You want to get to the majors? And Buck kind of looked at them like, uh, who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was on Twitter because they, they they posted a meme of what Buck yeah. of what Buck Britton's um response was. But so good for Buck Britton, good for the Orioles. Um, again, we're going to talk about all this at length later on in the program. We do have a good show coming up for you in just a matter of moments. We're going to have Stan the Fan Charles on the line from Baseball America. Kyle Glazer joins the show uh, at eleven o'clock. Zach's going to sound off on um some on. On something that I, I'm maybe on the same page with him on, but not on exactly on the same page. Okay. And again, we're going to get to Orioles banter. And then I have a whopper of a trivia question for Zach uh, to end the program today. Zach, why don't you go ahead and give Stan a call while I pay some bills? Sounds good. All right. The latest issue of PressBox is available now, and is our very special annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performers, and or excuse me, top people performances and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Joining us now, we're going to talk a little bit more about Buck Britton, some Hall of Fame, and some other things going on in the world of baseball. He's back for his weekly segment. He is Stan the Fan. Charles, Stan, thanks for taking some time for us this morning. How are you today? Always a pleasure for you and Zach. Yes, it's, it, that's exactly right. It's always a pleasure for us to talk with you. How did, how did you, you know, I just thought of something this morning when I got up from my uh, morning trip to the bathroom. I said, oh, I can't wait to talk to Paul and Zach. And I said, I wonder how the two of them met. How did you guys meet? So, Zach does a podcast, did a podcast, does a oh, podcast. Oh, that's right, okay. Called right. They Hit the Foul Pole, and I knew Matt Pine, because mm-hmm. we both were, did stuff for Utah Street Report, and I originally right. asked Matt Pine to be my co-host on the show, and it was during right. the pandemic, and he couldn't do it. So he recommended okay. Zach, and the rest is history. Okay. All right, uh, so Stan, Major League Baseball and the Players Union, they met Monday and Tuesday. Um, both sides made concessions, which is a good sign. Uh, they're, they're showing a little bit of wiggle room here. Not great concessions. Major League Base, the, the Players Association dropped their ask for 
reaching free agency by a certain age, by 29 and a half and 30 and a half. They dropped that 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 ask. Um, whereas the players, uh, I'm sorry, the Major League Baseball dropped their ask of having arbitration eligible players not go through the arbitration process, but rather be paid based on merit. Um, we know that these aren't huge concessions, but it is something. How encouraging is it to see both sides starting to wiggle here? Um, you know, it's it's um, it's encouraging. I, mean, I can't lie to you. You know, the fact that they sat across from one another and didn't uh, walk out in seven minutes. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the next couple times they get together, they've really got to start to make some movement on this, you know. I mean, we're, what are we, about uh, 13 days away from when pitchers and catchers are supposed to report? Yeah, about two weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, I would say it's it's nice to see that they could sit across and not walk out on one another in seven minutes, but uh, they need to make some, some actual progress, you know. Yeah, I, I firmly agree with you. And, and one of the things that they seem to be on the same page with is bonus pool money for pre-arbitration eligible players. However, the players union is asking for 105 million to be spread out for those pre-arb players. The uh, owners, the owners group, is basically offering 10 million, so about a tenth of that. And, um, and that 10 million is where the initial 15 thousand dollar increase in in per player minimum salary would come from out of that 10 million. Yeah, and so it wouldn't be just 15. It would be 15 for players in their first year. Then it would, it would be year, right. 650K if you're in year two and 700K if you're in year three. Right. Um, but the way that it works out right now, if in the old... When you say year, you're saying it would start out moving the minimum salary to 650, right? The, no, 615. 615. 615 right. if you're in your first year pre-arbitration eligibility. If right. you're in your second year, it's 650, and if you're in your third year, it's 700. But the okay. pl- the players union wants them to start the minimum salary at 775k. Yeah, you know, and, I, I I have to be honest with you. The fifteen thousand increase in year one is is really insulting. You know? I agree. That's what, that uh, I don't know reaction. exactly. I don't know exactly uh, the language where they're coming up with that money. Now I understand it's coming from this pot, but. That that should go up a hundred thousand dollars. You know that 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 checklist that should be hit hit number one is hey you guys want seven fifty we're gonna up this to six fifty this year. You know yeah and no. and seven hundred year two and seven fifty year three or something like that. You know yeah but, I, uh, I I think that that's that's reasonable. Well, another thing that we have to understand here is that neither side came with their best offer uh, in, in that initial go around. This is low balling and then we're going to and on the players union's case high balling uh and then uh, hopefully they'll find a way to meet somewhere in the middle and get it to about what you were yeah, saying I I would think that that was one area they could have already met in the middle and really gotten some traction on this you know yeah. the amount of money is not that significant uh, agreed especially when you're talking about billionaires that are paying these salaries now yeah here's the other thing in this proposal in the 10 million dollar bonus pool proposal from the owners group they're basically saying that's the number. If you are right, supposed you to couldn't, be, you couldn't negotiate a better number for your player. Right. Whereas in the old CBA, <laughs> the writing was 
if your player was making five seventy five, but you wanted to show a sign of good faith and give him six twenty five, six twenty five, you could do that. You could yeah. do that, but this, but what the, and maybe that'll be what happens. Maybe the players' union will agree to that. But so far, it's a, it's not. There's not. A, it's a sticking point that they're both on the same page that there should be bonus pool money, but they got to find some some. Hey, why does that money? language need to be in there that you can't pay the player more? They very rarely do it anyway. It must affect right. like two players a year or something like that. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it really looks like they're going out of their way to, to create m- m- friction, you know, rather than be smoothing things over. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a pissing contest, Stan. Yeah. It's, you you yeah. know what I mean? That's basically yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah. Um. But but so for you, ultimately, where do you see the common ground being? Do you think they meet somewhere in the middle? I'm inclined to think that maybe the pl- the owners win out in that they get a lower number than the players initially would have gone for, but the players still feel like they got something because they got the agreement to raise up the minimum salary. I, I would I, in my mind something like thirty, thirty five million dollar pull is what's standing out in my mind. Where do you where do you see this falling? Um I guess they'll find some common ground here, you know. But uh you would have thought on this issue that they could have already met the common ground. Yeah, you, know? you would think it seems like one it, of those it looks like they're going. At, I mean, it looks like the owner's side is going out of their way to continue to have some type of friction over virtually nothing. Yeah, I hear you. now potential friction within the Orioles uh, in the future. Buck Britton was just named manager of the Norfolk Tides, and he's been moving his way through this system uh, for quite a while now. He seems to be very highly respected by the Orioles, by the players that play for him. Um. Like I, like I said in my notes, the Orioles have to hold him in high regard. Some believe that he's being groomed to be Brandon Hyde's replacement. I think it's a little difficult to say that while Brandon Hyde is still under contract. And I don't know that the Orioles, maybe internally they have it in the back of their mind, but I don't know that they're operating with the idea that no matter what, Brandon Hyde's not here after this year. Do you think, do you feel like they're maybe grooming Buck Britton and using him as a contingency clause in case it's another bad year for the Orioles, which it could be, but maybe not a hundred loss season? In other words, uh, I wouldn't project anything by the fact that he's moved up. I think he's a good soldier to uh, what uh, Mike and Sig and Matt Blood try and accomplish at the minor league level. Uh, I wouldn't. I would not yet mark him as the guy that would replace Brandon Hyde if Hyde is not around. Yeah. Um, I would think it at some point they they've got to start to put. They're literally their best foot forward, and I'm not sure that Buck Britton will be their best foot forward if they do make a managerial move. So, Stander, are you under the assumption they will move to, if they do move on from Brandon Hyde, move to a veteran manager, someone who's been in the game for a yeah, long time? Yeah, I would think that I would think that uh, they would move toward a, ma- a veteran manager. C- could it be someone? I, like- I don't think I don't think Mike Elias can. Can if you know if the, if the if he thinks that the the talent that he's giving the manager is better and there should be better results based on what they're giving the manager, he's going to be you know I mean it's not like he has an unlimited um, you know of uh, an unlimited landing strip you know at some point he's got to start to put up results and I don't know that. They're going to think that Buck Britton is the best chance to to you know to wrangle some more wins. You know, so Stan, that's at least the way I see it well, right and, now. And, and and I'm inclined to believe with you. I'm also inclined to believe that the Orioles have to give him the talent on the field yeah. to put up those results. And it seems like 
this year. They're kind of starting to <clears throat> somewhat put that together. You're going to see Adley Rutschman, Mountcastle's back, Hayes, Mullins. You, you know the names. Um, yeah. But we, we look at it, and I, I've always thought yeah, to myself. Yeah, but I still see, but I still see a pitching staff, uh, a starting pitching staff that is not capable of giving the, the team a chance to win. Oh, I agree with four you. Four out of five days or something like that. Until you give a manager that, uh, you know, what do you ask him to pull out a rabbit out of his ass? You know, right. I mean, it's it's really quite, you know, I feel for, for Brandon, you know, uh, this this has really been a, a rough three-year stretch for him. And I would, would have hoped that he'd be getting a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. And, uh, I just think I think at a certain point, people in the position of Mike and Sig, they got to start pointing. They they have to start to point some fingers at at a different area. And I don't see hiring Buck Britton as sort of uh, over Brandon Hyde as any kind of strong enough move that uh, that they're ready to win. Right, and then and speaking of Brandon Hyde. There's been some things that have been happening that make me think that maybe they're going to give him an opportunity this year to have a little bit more talent uh, based on what they're doing with the outfield wall and trying to make them more competitive in the pitching department. They went out and they signed Jordan Lyles. Brandon Hyde doesn't have a commitment for, from this team beyond this coming season. That extension was just through this 2022 season. So he's managing with not a lot of security. Yeah, I have to imagine that they can't put, throw him out there and put him behind the eight ball without an idea about what his future is and not give him talent to try and work with. Like, is this the year that maybe they really can start to evaluate him because they're going to give him a little bit more? Well, what is the – I don't get the question. What is the little bit more Jordan Lyles? Well, they went out and they signed Jordan Lyles, which isn't a, a world beater, but he, aside from John right. Means, so, he's better than but, anything but they the, had. But, but, but what are you talking about when you say it looks like and feels like they're going to give him a little more talent? I'm wondering I'd if they're know, I'd have to know that what talent it is to answer that question appropriately. Well, but that's what I'm asking. I'm I'm, I'm asking. Do you think they're going to give him? A, as in when, when, when? You know, I mean, I I don't I don't know, but I would hardly think if they make even another signing equivalent to another Jordan Lyles, that that would really be giving Brandon a, like a fair shot at at succeeding. Well, then what's the what? I, What's the point of only having him have the one-year deal? That, that's that's a thing. You're giving a guy, uh, you're giving, you're making this guy a lame duck manager. Right. A one-year deal makes no sense. Uh, well, you you said it. That's that's sort of how I feel right now. That uh, that they've set this dynamic up. Yeah, it, which it, doesn't seem particularly fair, does it? No, it doesn't seem fair at all to Brandon. Yeah. I don't know yeah. how you can go out there and manage without a ton of talent, without any kind of guarantee for right. the future. Right. I, you'd like to think that they would operate better than that, and I guess that's why I'm thinking maybe this is a year where they finally start but to. You, you already you started the premise of the questions, Paul, with the the notion that hey, are they grooming Buck Britton? And I've said that no, I don't think they're grooming Buck Britton to take his place. But I don't see I don't see a great deal of uh, empathy right now for uh, Brandon. You know, from the front office. Yeah, they're they're putting him in a really tough situation. Yeah, yeah. And 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 for 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 the record, I don't think that they're necessarily grooming Brock Britton either. I think they respect him and they like him a great. Yeah, deal. I think they like him, and I think that he. I I don't think they're meeting any resistance from him. Where I'm guessing Gary Kendall 
was more of a mind of a mindset to like want to do things a little bit his way, even though he was he's a good soldier, Gary. I, I don't think he embraces the, the the analytics the way that Buck probably is. Buck I, I, I think the assumption of people that Buck Britton is the next Orioles manager comes from a few things. I think, one, it's because he's Zach Britton's brother, and he has those, right. I guess, the bloodlines in the Orioles organization in the past. And then he's also a guy who has come up through as, as sort of a younger guy. He's you know I think he's in his 30s or 40s, so he kind of is more, I guess, in tune with some of these younger Orioles that are coming up, like Rutschman and, and D.L. Hall, Grayson Rodriguez, all these guys. He's more close to their age, and honestly, I think that's why. I think people look at him as this young, kind of analytically driven guy who's Zach Britton's brother, and that's basically the reason why he's he's just put out there as the next Orioles manager, but we really have no yeah. evidence to, to believe that one way or the other. Yeah. I would think that what would most likely happen is if Brandon gets an extension at some point this season, that perhaps Buck is on his staff next year, mm-hmm. uh, and then you can start to connect the dots of that 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 they really they really have him earmarked as a potential replacement. You know, but the fact that he moved up to AAA doesn't say that to me. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's it's basically all speculation and, tr- and trying yeah. to read the tea leaves before they're fully formed is basically yeah. what it is. Now, the biggest news in baseball this past week, Stan, was the Hall of Fame results. And David Ortiz was the only one voted in on the – and he was voted in on his first ballot. No Bonds, no Clemens, no Alex Rodriguez, um, no Sammy Sosa. Um, despite – I don't know about Sosa, but I know the other three superior players to David Ortiz – you could even make the argument that Scott Rowland, because of what he did defensively, was a superior player, yet those guys are left off, and David Ortiz is in on the first ballot. What was your opinion on this when you heard the results? Well, I mean, I expected Ortiz to go in some, somehow, uh, and while I won't paint him with the same brush that, uh, you know, Sosa, McGuire, and Clemens, and Bonds have been painted with, um, I I. I kind of expected Ortiz to get in and I was really hoping that one other player would really have and he did make a significant move he's up to about 59 percent is left-handed reliever Billy Wagner yeah. who I think is is like in my opinion Billy Wagner was pretty close to being a first-time Hall of Famer you know I mean here's a guy in in 903 innings, struck out 1,196 batters. His career whip of 0.998 is lower than Mariano Rivera's by a tick. You know, um, he's just amazing. In 903 innings, he gave up 601 hits. I mean, he's just a, this guy was amazing, absolutely amazing. Oh yeah, he was he was he was a phenomenal closer, one of the greatest of yeah. all time. Yeah, I think he's going to go in, but I think this was his seventh year. I think he's he's starting to get you know a little bit of a groundswell around him, and I don't think there's a. It's not like he's stacked behind people right now, so I think he's in position maybe next time out to to get in. You know? Well, yeah, and, and and let's talk about next time because next year's ballot, the first time Hall eligible players. It's not the coverage kind of bare. Is the best argument you can make is for Carlos Beltran. Um, I I think that Carlos Beltran is a Hall of Famer. When you look at his numbers, he's got over 300 steals, over 400 home runs, over 500 doubles, over 2,700 hits, and he has the highest steal success rate 
um, of anybody with 300 steals in the history of Major League Baseball. I think Carlos Beltran's a Hall of Famer, and he might be the only, the only one next year. I would agree, but does it matter that he was involved in the cheating scandal with the with the Astros? That's the big question mark, yeah, right? Yeah. Stan, how do you yeah. feel about Carlos Beltran's candidacy? Uh, I think Beltran is a Hall of Famer, uh, but that doesn't mean I think he'll get in in year one. There might be just this sort of, and, and I'm not saying all the writers get together and huddle and say, okay, you, you group, you're going to vote no because we don't want to signal that it was okay to, that he was involved in a cheating scandal. So it's an individual basis, but I think there would be enough of that feeling like we don't want to reward this guy with a first time Hall of Fame, you know, uh, you know, him getting in on the first ballot. Yeah, so and I would think he would probably go in the following year or two, but I think he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Wait. I think next year, um, you know, Roland, um, uh, Bobby Abreu, uh, Abreu, and uh, and my guy Billy Wagner. I think there's those guys stand a bit of a chance, you know, to to move up. Uh, Bobby Abreu, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I I never once looked at him and thought that guy's a Hall of Fame player. I, and, uh, and I, I, I don't I don't see him as a Hall of Fame player, but his name has been mentioned a great deal. Not this year. Last year was mentioned a great deal that uh, that he'd be looked at as a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and, you know the stolen bases and you know somebody he's got a he's got a rare he's got a rare mix. He was not somebody that automatically rose on my on you know on my thinking, but. I read enough about him that he was uh, getting some uh, recognition that way. Well, somebody else, and you were talking about Billy Wagner, and I don't think that yeah. you, I think you can make a, a case, at least a case, for Francisco Rodriguez. This is a guy who has the all-time single-season saves record with 62. He has six seasons of 40 or more saves, eight seasons of 30 or more saves, 976 innings pitched in his career. He has an ERA of 286. Uh, and his whip, not not Billy Wagner level, but 1.155. And he has 437 career saves. What is Francisco Rodriguez's uh, case for the Hall of Fame? Um, I don't know. I just don't think, you know, Billy Wagner, you know, to me, had like a almost a dominant career from the day he was a closer till the end. I see Francisco Rodriguez, you know, we had him briefly. I mean, he's sort of the last five years of his career, he was constantly signing these like sort of one-year contracts and he was a half club. I, I just don't think he finished up strong enough to me to, to really be a strong first-year ballot Hall of Famer. You know, well, and, he's and, another guy that would take a, a while for me to develop, uh, you know. But, and, and here's the thing, Stan. I, I, I kind of thought the same thing, and I went and, lo- mm-hmm. and looked at his stats. Three of his last four years, he had over 38 saves. Uh, he was he he had that little bit of a lull in the middle of his career, and then he came back and put up a 44, 38, and 44 save in the last in three years before his final season in 2017. Yeah, I guess so. You timed this half year he spent or two months he spent with the Orioles was a an odd an oddball. Okay. Yeah, like it, that was kind of when he got, fell off a little bit, <laughs> but then. He comes back and he pitches really well the year, the, the next three years mm-hmm. after that. I think he's got a just, strong case. Just, I, go ahead. Just to get back to Abreu for a second, I pulled up his numbers while we started to talk because you, you showed such a resistance to him. And it's the initial resistance I had. 
but his career batting average was 291, on base percentage of 395, yeah. ended up with an OPS career wise at 870. He had 288 home runs, 1,363 RBIs, 400 stolen bases. Yeah. I mean, and also the a mix, higher. The, the mix of power and speed was pretty, pretty remarkable. And also know? a higher war than David Ortiz by five. Yeah. Yep. So he played that. defense, yep. so David Ortiz was yeah, all I, of his war was as a hitter. That's fair. I just find that David Ortiz, you know, when you look at his fifty five career war, that's gotta be towards the bottom of the MLB Hall of Fame. If you look at that, it's gotta be towards the look, bottom. Look, he had he had the benefit of playing for not only playing for, for those great uh, Red Sox teams, but when the when when the light was shining the brightest, he had his yeah. greatest moments, you know. Right. Which is ironic, which is ironic because, you know, you could make that same argument about Kurt Schilling, you know. Yeah. And Kurt Kurt won't get in now other than if he's elected by the, uh, you know, the Veterans Committee or whatever they call it now, you know. And I wonder how, I wonder how the Hall of Fame is going to move forward next year and the year after because if, if, and maybe that is what helps get a guy like Scott Rowland in. Um, or maybe a guy like Bobby Abreu, because really the only one you can make an argument for, and he might not get in because of what you already alluded to, Stan, is Carlos Beltran. And in 2024, the only guy you can make an argument for is Adrian Beltre, and he's a surefire. Oh, yeah, I think oh, yeah. he's a He's yeah. a surefire. You don't really have any other sure bets until 2025 when you have CC Sabathia and Ichiro Suzuki. Um, right. But you could have one guy voted in in the next two years – I, how bad of a look is that for the Hall of Fame? Do you think that that's, that factors into who gets in in the next year or two? No, I don't. I don't think so. Like the the writers as a whole, you know, like I said, I don't think they get there and have a conversation, and I don't think MLB converses with anybody and says, "Hey, guys, we really need to come up with." You know, I think they let the sort of the chips fall where they are. You know, but I think I think with without a without any kind of great number of very strong candidates, I think the Rollins, Abreus, and Wagners really get a stronger look. And and I'm guessing he, I forget what year he's in. The other guy we haven't mentioned is Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent, uh, to me, really is a Hall of Fame player. He I may have been a first-class jerk. But uh, the eight seasons out of ten, or something like that, uh, hundred RBI run. Um, you can look at some great, great players and uh, you know Hall of Famers. They never did that. You know, what's his war, Zach? Uh, I, I can check that out. But I was going to ask you a question as well. If there's yeah. one guy who isn't in the Hall of Fame at this point, not including the guys we've already talked about for this this 2022 election, but if there's one guy who isn't in the Hall of Fame that should be, who is it? Because for me, it, it's Kenny Lofton. I think Kenny Lofton is 100% a Hall of Famer, but who is that guy for you? Well, for me, I no longer have that guy because, well, other than Kent and Wagner, I think Kent okay. and Wagner are Hall of Famers for me, but but they don't, they don't yell that they're Hall of Famers. The guy for me that's been subject to an injustice for 35, 40 years, uh, Tony Oliva. You know, yeah, uh, Tony yeah. Oliva is one of the greatest baseball players I ever saw. And he had the unfortunate thing after about six or eight years, he hurt his knee and then he hurt it again. 
and he kind of limped, limped to the finish line. Uh, he was a Hall of Famer. His career, in my opinion, he was a significantly better player than that same argument almost could be made for Don Mattingly. You know, if you if Don Mattingly had had a career where his back injury was somehow able to be exercised, and just look at the numbers that he put up when he was healthy, he was pretty remarkable too. You know, so that's a player for me, uh, probably more so than Lofton is Don Mattingly, who I thought was the best just about the best player in the game for two or three years. But again, I respect the fact that it wasn't eight or nine years. Um, Tony Oliva, to me, was a much stronger claim than Mattingly. Fair enough. Uh, because, because I saw the guy play every year. I'd see him the nine times we play the Twins on TV, and I'd see him in Baltimore, you know, five or six times. Uh, he was just a remarkable, remarkable player. Yeah, he he certainly was. There's, he led the, the league in doubles like six out of eight years or something like that. Great, great hitter all around. You're absolutely yep. right, yep. Stan. You got a you got a couple of guys coming up. Adam Gladstone and uh, big league two founder Rob Nelson on, on Monday, correct? Yeah, Monday night. I thought I'd have them on. You know, I do. I have two sports business guys in uh, Marty Conway and Andy Dolich, uh, two two real big names in in the sports business world. Uh, Adam. It doesn't have a sports business background per se, but he's been a general manager of minor league teams. He's been the assistant general manager of Team Israel uh, and worked for many minor league clubs. He was an umpire, uh, minor league umpire, for several years. Uh, and Rob Nelson played minor league baseball uh, and uh, played for that famous Portland team. The uh, I forget their name, but that movie was made of them. The uh, oh god, what's their name? Was it the Mavericks? They were called that. Jim Bouton and him pitched for uh, was owned by um, Bing Russell, who's Kurt Russell, the actor's yeah, father. Yeah, wasn't it? Um, oh my god, uh, the, the the dirt balls of baseball. Or I, I know yeah, what you're talking about. I, I watched yeah, it on great, Netflix. It's a great film. Uh, Rob pitched on that team, and he and he and Jim Bouton uh, founded uh, Big League Two. And it was Rob's idea, and Jim Bowden never said it wasn't. Uh, but he he put up the seed money for it. He had, you know, he made some decent money in his big league career, uh, Jim Bowden, and he put up some money that seeded the start of the company. And they were partners for a number of years. Rob still is the president of Big League Two. Yeah, the, the, so uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna discuss sort of the state of the game and some of the questions you were asking me at the beginning about this, you know, when is this thing going to end? Sure, you know, sure. what's it going to turn on? So to, to answer a couple of your questions real quick, Stan, Jeff Kent's overall war was 55.5 for his career. And that's, was that Ortiz's too? Uh, Ortiz was right around that. He was at like 53.8 okay. or something like that. Okay. Um, so Kent's higher than him. Yeah. yeah. The, um, the, the movie we're talking about was the Battered Bastards of Baseball, and it's about the Portland Mavericks that, that Kurt Russell yep, was. Yeah, Portland was Mavericks, right. So the Battered go. Bastards of Baseball. Yep. That's a, if you look it up on Google and you can watch it, when, you know, um, you can probably, it'll probably come up and you can watch it. It's I believe really it's still a on charming Netflix. Movie. I, I, I saw it on Netflix. Uh, so it, that's, it, a, that's actually where I watched it. Yeah, yeah so about it might, a year and a, I'll, I'll tell you, when I finally broke down and watched it was 
sort of about two or three months into the pandemic. I Me watched too. It. That's yeah. exactly yeah. when I watched it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Stan, always a pleasure. We will talk to you next week. Thanks so much. All right, guys. Looking forward to it already. I'll uh, talk to you soon. Yes, Bye. sir. And that was Stan the Fan, Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Wednesday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross caught up with Don Stanhouse, and Stan and Gary had a very special show about the booming card industry with Bel Air Sports Cards' Mel Lundgren. That's actually right near where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, find those shows under the video tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. And again, coming up this Monday, Stan and Ross are going to host a Baseball Roundtable with Adam Gladstone and Big League Chew founder Rob Nelson. Sam made a, you know, I, I always looked at Bobby Abreu and I saw a good player, a guy mm-hmm. who was for who was the face of the, fr- the Phillies franchise for a good bit. Yeah, he had a 12 year run that was phenomenal, and yet only made two All Star teams in that 12 year run. But he had, he had a 12 year run where he hit close to or over 300, 20, 30 homers, yeah. 30 to 40 doubles. He was a hell, and over 100 RBIs. He was a hell of a ball player. I never looked at him, and maybe he falls victim to the same thing as Scott Rowland because he wasn't flashy. Um, and I think that that's kind of a similar thing with maybe with Francisco Rodriguez, where his numbers are comparable to just about any closer not named Trevor Hoffman or France or, or um, uh, Mariano. The name I forget is Mariano Rivera. Go go figure. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, he, maybe he wasn't as flashy because he pitched for. The Angels and the Brewers. Yeah, I, Abreu is not a guy that I see as a Hall of Famer. He's a great player, no yeah. doubt. Like you said, hell of a player. Hall of Famer? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's certain stats that you kind of have to have if you want to make it to the Hall of Fame. And, and 288 home runs is just a little bit low for me. And I know, you know, obviously hitting home runs wasn't. It's not every part of everyone's game, but for me, I, I just want to see that number be a little bit higher. And the 291 average, yeah, sure, but we don't really go off of average for, for too many things these days. I don't know. Bobby Abreu, great player. Hall of very great players, not Hall of Fame. That's that's my opinion. It, it, it's funny, man, because I have this this mentality towards the Hall of Fame that I really shouldn't have. And, and, and it, for example... A, a guy like Mike Mussina, I believe, belongs in the Hall of Fame, and I always thought he belonged in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. so he's the outlier for me, because um, he was never the best pitcher in the league. No. He was just one of the best and was very, very good. Um, and I think with Car- a guy like a, a guy like Carlos Beltran, who uh, you look at his numbers, he is a Hall of Famer. He is a Hall of Famer, but he was never the best player in the league. There no. were always guys that played uh, that played at the same time as him that were better than he was. Right. And so when I look at Carlos Beltran, yeah, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But be, I, 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 kinda, I think he, I, he had one season where I think he was the best player in baseball. It was like the early 2000s. I, I would make that argument, but yeah, you're, you're right for sure. Well, yeah, when, when he went to the Astros and helped them right. on that playoff run, yeah, um, he was he was phenomenal. He was absolutely he was the best hit. at that moment. He was the hottest best hitter in baseball, and I think that might be the year that you're talking about. I'm thinking of somewhere with the, when he was with the Royals in the early 2000s. He was he had some some great seasons. Um, but and he, he won you know rookie of the year obviously in 1999. But he had some he had some great years obviously with with St. Louis even. And then of course when he went to Houston at, at the tail end of his career and helped them you know brought in that kind of leadership style. And and obviously um, the book Astro Ball talks a lot about that and how Carlos Beltran really led them cheating or not to the World Series. And it, Carlos Beltran was a big part of that. He had an okay year. He wasn't great, but he brought that leadership presence and that veteran presence there. Uh, but I mean he had some. I was talking about the first time around. Oh, you're talking about the first time. The around. first. Okay. Time. We were yeah. talking like 2005. 
five, something, right. so, something so he, like he that. So he led them to multiple playoff berths, everything, mm-hmm. and w- with his leadership. And he's a great player, definite Hall of Famer. Um, he's a guy who has 70 war. I mean, he's, he's uh, one of the g- best players of all time. He should be a Hall of Famer. He deserves to be there. Um, but he's not as flashy as like a you know uh, like a lot of guys in the Hall of Fame. So he's yeah. not he's not a Griffey or something. Yeah, so but he, he was just one of those guys where you saw him every year and you're like, well, yeah, that's Carlos Beltram. He just shows up. Yeah, right. it, it was like that's Carlos Beltram. There he is. That's that's that guy who kills us. I, I kind of felt the same about Torrey Hunter, and I don't believe Torrey Hunter ever got in. Nah. But he's a guy that I kind he's of on felt, the, he's on the ballot. But he, he was on the ballot. I, I kind of felt he was the same way. He he would show up every year and be extremely reliable. And I, I caught, you know, kind of when I started watching baseball more at the tail end of Torrey Hunter's career, but another guy that I kind of feel like a Hall of very thing, great player is not Hall of Fame. The, 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 the thing with Torrey Hunter, he was a good hitter. He was. But if you take away his defense, do you look at him as oh, a Hall of Famer? Oh, incredible defender. Yeah, incredible, the, yeah. The, the defense is what makes you really yeah. have to consider him. But um, Beltram is definitely better. Not, I'm so, not comparing the two in that way, but I'm just saying he's a, co- a guy who kind of reminds me of that non-flashy but shows up and plays every day. Kind of, kind of style. All right. Well, the first hour of the bat round is just about in the brooks, and has been brought to you by. Uh, it's just about in the brooks. It's just about in the books. It's been brought to you by Rav Four. Make out the make the most out of every day in a Toyota Rav Four. Available in hybrid or gas only models. A Rav Four can get you where you want to go and in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on the new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. we got to catch a break when we come back in. From Baseball America, he is Kyle Glazer. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org need to hone your computer skills to boost your career or maybe you want an it certification ccbc continuing education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field and it's all tuition free from the basics to specialized training we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more it's your choice it's your career Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Hey guys, it's Paul Valley, and there's a new era of Glenn Clark Radio as I've joined Glenn every weekday from 10 a.m. to noon. There will be some changes, but what won't change is the absolute best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. New Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. He is Kevin Zeitler. Uh, thank you, very happy to be a part of this. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot. 
lot. Good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Quarterback for the University of Maryland, Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. Coach Mark Turgeon. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. You can watch us live at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. All right, welcome back to the bat around here. We are entering our number two of the program today. We have some people commenting uh, on the show feeds saying that they're bored with the Hall of Fame talk. That is what happened this week. The Hall of Fame uh, voting and the controversial results uh, are what happened this week. And we're going to talk about it more later, uh, guys. I'm just going to put it out there for you. But right now, we are going to acquiesce to this to this uh, fan's request. And we are going to talk some Orioles baseball and some Orioles prospects with Kyle Glazer from Baseball America. Kyle, how are you this morning? Doing all right. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on again, man. We always love getting the chance to talk to you because the best part of the Orioles right now is their farm system. And for all intents and purposes, they have the best farm system in baseball right now. Your top five prospect, your your top 100 prospects list came out and it featured five Orioles. Adley Rutschman at number one. Grayson Rodriguez at number six. D.L. Hall at number 52. Gunnar Henderson at number 57. And Colton Kowser at number 98. Uh, let's start at the top here, Kyle. Adley, from what I understand, it was close to a toss-up between Rutschman, um, uh, Bobby Witt Jr., and Julio Rodriguez. What made Adley Rutschman ultimately the top choice for Baseball America? Yeah, there were a lot of conversations among our staff. We were split. I personally felt Adley Rutschman was the best prospect in baseball. And we started kind of polling and surveying front office executives around the game, GMs, assistant GMs, scouting directors, all the high-level folks who have kind of a 30,000-foot view of everything. And ultimately, they came back that Adley should be number one. And again, all three of those guys got multiple votes. There's definitely a lot of discussion about all these guys being franchise-caliber talents. But ultimately, there's a sense that what Adley provides offensively is every bit as much as Julio Rodriguez or Bobby Witt Jr., which is essentially 280 with 25 to 30 home runs, while also playing gold-glove caliber defense. That type of player just doesn't come around very often and ultimately makes him the best prospect in baseball. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people, especially in these parts, would agree with you there. Now, how much does he really have left to prove at the at the minor league level? And once he gets here, where do you rank him as far as major league catchers in the game today? Yeah, you know, besides he went to AAA last year, performed as well as he did, so he doesn't really have a whole lot left to prove in the minors. Now, there's always little things you can get better at, especially catching AAA pitchers, guys who have been in the major leagues and maybe making some adjustments approach-wise, but there's not really a ton left for him to prove in the minor leagues. In terms of where he'll be in the hierarchy of major league catchers as soon as he arrives, look, for even the very, very best prospects, it's a big transition going from the minor leagues to the major leagues, especially when you're talking about a catcher who's now dealing with game planning and learning hitters and, and all the things he has to do defensively in addition to adjusting to major league pitching on the offensive side. I, I think it would be too much to suggest he'd be a top five catcher the day he steps into the major leagues, but he has the ability to adjust and grow over time. He has a chance to be one of the top three catchers in baseball, if not the top catcher in baseball. 
I just don't think it's fair to expect out of him the day he shows up. Fair enough. Now, another guy that has the expectations is Grayson Rodriguez. He's the number six overall prospect, your number one pitching prospect in baseball. Elite command of four different pitches, a fastball that touches 100 miles an hour. He's probably going to start the year at AAA unless he has a spring training that just blows everybody's minds. Uh, The thing here with Grayson Rodriguez he still has something to prove. He's never been able to get very deep into games. He averaged under five innings pitch per start uh, in 23 starts this past season. Um, where do you put him as far as, as his major league timeline, and what does he need to work on to get there? Yeah, I think there's a chance he makes his debut during the season. I don't think, again, it's fair to put him in the opening day rotation. He's still a very, very young pitcher who mm-hmm. you see the ability. He has a chance for four-plus pitches. He has command of both sides of the plate. He's got that big mound presence. And for a minor leaguer, he's actually shown some pretty solid durability. But you're right, just continuing to learn to maybe get through a lineup a third time and take those five-inning starts and turn them into seven-inning starts. And also just facing more upper-level hitters. He did really, really well at double-A last year. But, you know, triple-A hitters, those are guys who have major league time, who know how to wait a pitcher out, who are going to chase some of the stuff that lower-level hitters do. So letting him just go, you know, spend some more time in double-A, triple-A, learn to pitch deeper into games, face upper-level hitters, that will only serve him well and the Orioles well long-term. Again, I think there's a chance he makes his debut this year, but realistically his first full season as a full-fledged Orioles rotation member, I expect that to be in 2023. Yeah, and and I think that that's a wise thing. You don't want to rush anybody, especially when the Orioles aren't expected to be much of a competitive team this year. Is his ceiling what we're hearing that it is? This could be one of the elite pitchers in the game when it's all said and done. He has a chance to be a true number one starter. Again, just it's so rare to see a young pitcher have his mix of stuff, command, physicality. But again, number one starters don't go five innings. Number one starters throw seven innings out, or at least are a candidate to pitch seven, eight innings every time out. They log 200 innings a year. The the aces are guys who are durable, not just talented. So that's really the final piece of the puzzle here. The Orioles turning him loose, letting him throw seven innings at a time and show he can be that durable workhorse at the front of the rotation. If he does that and shows he can hold up under that because health is always a concern with pitchers, then, yeah, he has a chance to be a true number one caliber starter in the major leagues. Now, you can't have a conversation about Grayson Rodriguez without including D.L. Hall. He's a left-hander with incredible stuff, kind of lacks that elite command, and he had a season cut short after seven starts in 2021. Kyle, he's never thrown more than 90, 91 innings in a season, and he's entering his fifth season in the system. That arm is a big league arm, and it's an elite big league arm. But what are his big league proje- projections? Should the Orioles, should Orioles fans be concerned? And how likely is it that he becomes in a bullpen piece rather than a starting rotation piece? Yeah, there's a real chance that happens. In terms of how much Orioles fans should be concerned, I think this is kind of a bit of a make-or-break year. If he fails to stay healthy again or can't stay on the mound again or his control doesn't take a jump forward again, then you probably do have to start talking about, okay, realistically, what's the best way to get the most out of this guy? Um, Even if he can just take the ball every fifth day and just last five innings, that would be great because his stuff is so good. It's so overwhelming. And if he can just be uh, a good guy who takes the ball every fifth day, that that's still a positive outcome, but if he shows he can't make it through a full season doing that, 
then you do have to start looking at him as a bullpen option. You know, I think back to a guy like a Josh Hader who had filthy stuff, but his command as a starter wasn't great, mm-hmm. and ultimately he became a bullpen weapon. D.L. Hall has ridiculous stuff where it's not out of the question for him to become that lights-out left-handed reliever or closer if it has to happen. I do think you give him another chance to start, but this is becoming a little bit of a make-or-break year because he's going to, you know, his 40-man roster clock is going to start ticking. No, yeah, he, he's, you're absolutely right there. I believe he's already on the the, the 40-man roster. So, And that, that's a guy where if they don't get something done in the CBA, he can't even start pitching really um, competitively until they get a new deal worked out. So this is – all eyes are going to be on D.L. Hall if they weren't already this year. After Hall and after Rodriguez, at the upper levels of the minor league system, there's not really much else for the Orioles pitching-wise. Are there any arms in this system that you think are about to take a big step forward? It's hard to say. The truth is, the strength of this system is the position players. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, personally, the answer is no. I, I don't know if there is. There's always guys who pop, and there's always breakout guys. The Orioles' pitching development has made some strides, so there probably is someone we're not thinking about or talking about. But to be honest, I don't see an obvious candidate right now where you say, "Ooh, this guy's really about to pop." Um, it really is Rodriguez and Hall at the top, and then kind of have this collection of guys below them and you're just hoping one or two of them take a step forward that maybe wasn't expected. Now, you did mention that the strength of this system is the position players. Gunnar Henderson, he played all at three levels in his first pro season. Um, th- there's talk that he could stay at shortstop, but ultimately his best position may end up being third base. He comes in at number, 50, number 57 um, on your top 100 list. What kind of player is Gunnar Henderson, and why is he in your top 100 and Jordan Westberg is on the outside looking in despite possibly having the better season last year? Henderson's younger and projects to be a better pure hitter. This is a bat-first prospect that can really, really do some damage at the plate. Again, just someone that there's a lot of confidence can be a potential you know, middle-of-the-order type of hitter, whether he stays at shortstop or third base, it's not really going to matter just because he can do so much damage at the plate. And Jordan Westberg had a very good season, and he's a good player who's not far off our top 100. Mm-hmm. You have to remember, he's a college guy who did a lot of his damage in low A last year. True. You really should ignore college stats at low A, that those guys are playing levels of competition below them. And just look at the high A double A performance. And again, he's a very good player. Um, but but Henderson being younger, playing up to the same levels, again, there's just a more more ability there at the plate, and ultimately that makes him a top 100 guy for us. The Orioles had the fifth overall pick in the draft last year. They took Colton Kelzer. He has a phenomenal hit tool and batter's eye. His power is developing. Maybe not exactly what you want for a guy who could end up being a corner outfielder, um, but the hit tool is incredible. How quickly could this guy move? Is there a real chance of him being in Baltimore in 2023? There's certainly a chance. Obviously, that would be a little the timeline. Uh, he has all the tools to hit. He's a very, very advanced hitter. The slick is beautiful. The way his approach works at the plate is, is as good as you'll find, uh, at least in last year's draft class. It's just a matter of going out and proving it. Uh, he did do a lot of his damage against mid-major competition at Sam Houston State. And last year's pro debut, while exceptional, again, college guy facing you know, rookie ball and low-A competition. You don't want to read too much into it. This year's on to high A. That's when we're going to see, really, okay, this is where his hitting ability is. Again, I'm a believer. Most evaluators are believers. But you still have to go out and prove it. And this is where the competition's about to get real for him. Um, another outfielder. 
uh, Kyle Stowers led the uh, Orioles farm in home runs, was up there in RBIs, OPS, on base percentage. He was a co-minor league player of the year uh, with Adley Rutschman. I was, honestly, I was a little surprised to not see him make the top 100. How far away from that top uh, prospects list is he for you all, and how do you envision him moving forward? He's on the radar, and again, he had a fantastic season to play last year. You should not take that away from him. Ultimately, when you're looking at a top 100, it's which 100 minor leaguers will go on to have the best major league careers. And a big part of that is making consistent contact against high-quality pitching. His strikeouts were really, really, really elevated last year, and so you just want to see him cut those down a little bit to project above average to all-star caliber major league success. Right now, the expectations for Kyle Stowers are when he gets to the majors, it might be a low-average you know, decent on base, solid power, but with a lot of strikeouts guy, which again, you can live with and put every day in your lineup, but it just doesn't rise to the level of a top 100 caliber prospect when you look 10 years from now at, you know, what these guys' major league careers were, who had the 100 best major league careers. And if you can cut those whiffs down, then we might be talking about someone who crosses that threshold. Well, certainly. Now, and the last guy I want to ask you about is uh, Kobe Mayo. And I saw on, a, on another prospects list that somebody said that he could end up being maybe one of the best offensive prospects by year by the end of the year. Uh, how much promise have you seen from Kobe Mayo, and where do you rank him? Um, not in your top. He's not in your top 100. But how does this Baseball America view Kobe Mayo moving forward? Yeah, we view him as a very, very young, talented player who absolutely has the potential to blossom into kind of an offensive monster. There's no question the ingredients are there. Uh, we'll just have to see him again go out and do it and show he can do it against full-season competition. Everything he did last year was a lot of uh, complex leagues, and he got to low A a bit as well. And this is going to be a year where you can absolutely see him breaking out and having that type of season where he goes low A to high A and puts up big numbers offensively across the board. Uh, but again, there's a lot of guys like that every year where you think are going to break out. About half do, half of them don't. So it's just going to be about him going out and doing it. But there's no question the underlying promise is there. And it would not be a surprise if a year or two from now you do see him on a top 100 list. He's on our radar. Now, th- this guy has, uh, uh, from what I saw, I believe he has a, close to a 70-grade arm. Um, does he have the glove to stick at third base, or does the does the lack of glove and the ultimate power that he has move him over to the other side of the infield? That, that's TBD. Again, this is a young player who still has a lot of physical growth ahead, a lot of development sure. ahead. And you know what? Leave him at third base for now. See if he improves and continues to grow there. And if he does, awesome. If not, you flip him over to first base. The bat projects to be an impact bat regardless of where he plays. So, again, it's more of a, hey, just let him play third base, see what happens, and make a decision from there. Kyle, I'm just curious how, I guess you guys think at Baseball America and how you exactly rank these players based on performance and also projection and all of that. So I did want to ask about a guy who was drafted by the Yankees 30th overall in 2019, Anthony Volpe, who had a really, really incredible 2021. Obviously, he was at A-ball and A-plus, so it's not exactly... I guess you can take those stats for a, a little bit for granted, but he had a 294 batting average, hit 20, 27 home runs, 1,027 OPS. The guy stole 33 bases. He had an all-around complete offensive season and probably one of the best outside of guys like Rutschman and Bobby Witt Jr. He came in at number 10 on your top 100 this year. How close is he to moving into the top five? And really, if he puts another one of these offensive performances together, double uh, A AA or AAA in the coming years, does he make it into your, your maybe your top three or top two prospects? 
certainly. I mean, a lot of the guys ahead of him are scheduled to graduate within the next year, and if he continues to build on the strides he made, I mean, he just completely overhauled his swing, his mm-hmm. body, his everything during the shutdown, a lot of which happened behind closed doors, especially because the Yankees didn't play instructional leagues, so no one got to see him. I mean, if he takes another jump forward, and again, those guys ahead of him graduate, you could certainly see him. I mean, potentially, even as the number one prospect in baseball. He's a very, very talented player, and again, see what he does this year and what happens ahead of him, it's certainly a possibility. Kyle, always great stuff every time we talk to you. We really appreciate you always taking time to come on our program here. How can people follow you on social media? Yeah, I'm on Twitter, at Kyle A. Glazer, and obviously just keep reading us, Baseball America, baseballamerica.com. A lot of good stuff coming out there, so... You can read me there and follow me on, on Twitter at, uh, at Kyle A. Glazer again. And those are the best ways to get in touch with me. Uh, we certainly appreciate Kyle. You have a, uh, a great weekend, and hopefully we'll be talking more baseball with you here in the coming weeks and months. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Take care. That was Kyle Glazer, Kyle Glazer who was always gracious enough to come on our program and, uh, and, and talk with us. Man, he he always he always gives such in depth insight into these players. It's interesting. Like I I knew that the reason that Jordan Westbrook's not on top one hundred and Gunnar Henderson is is because Gunnar is younger. But the way that he broke it down, saying you know Gunnar's going to end up having the better hit tool and mm-hmm. he's, he's younger and more. Yeah, it's about projection, right? Right, right. And the way he put it that these top one hundred prospects are who is going to have the top one hundred one hundred uh, baseball careers, yeah. not what you did last year. Right. Like Kyle Stowers was probably, there is no question he was a top 100 prospect in the game based on what he did last year, but is he going to continue to be that guy moving forward? So I think it's kind of uh, interesting how he views him. Uh, timelines for us. I, I, I kind of expected him to say Grayson Rodriguez would be up here sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, Colton Kowser would be up here sooner rather than later, but he wasn't really ready to commit to Kowser for 2023 at the yeah. big league level. Were you surprised by that? Yeah, I definitely think he's going to be here by 2023. I think he could be the opening day center fielder um, because I think there's a great chance Mullins gets moved in the next year, and I think Colton Kowser is the guy there uh, for the long-term future. And Colton Kowser, to me, is a guy who's so advanced already. And like Kyle said, obviously, you have to take what he did uh, at the at the low A level in Del Marva with a grain of salt because he is a guy who it was very developed and probably playing way ahead of the competition at Del Marva. So I understand that, and he you know hit th- like three seventy five, and that's obviously not at all going to be going to transfer over to Double A AA and Triple A. So we have to see what he does there. But Colton Kowser to me is an all around polished talent and a guy who's almost major league ready already. So I think having a ready tw- already ready already yeah, but having a twenty twenty two to get into Double A AA and Triple A. And prove himself, and he'll probably start at Aberdeen, is what I would assume. But move up like Stowers did, and and finish out in AAA. I think he could easily make this roster by by opening day 2023. I really think that. I I, I just am very high on this guy's talent all around. And you know, he did play at Sam Houston State, so it's not the best competition in the world. And that's one of the reasons I was a little bit skeptical pre-draft is just because you, you don't really know what you're getting from a guy from from. Sam Houston State, but I think he's shown that he's an all-around polished talent and, and should be here pretty soon. Yeah, and that's that's a guy who, yeah, the 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 knock was Sam, the fact that he played yeah. at Sam Houston State, but then he comes out in the comp, in the FCL, yeah, and he hits five hundred, right, and then he goes to A ball and he hits what three forty-seven, yeah, so I, he, I think he hit even higher than that. So he was, hit, he hit three seventy-five for the year. Uh, not, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think hit, you're right. Yeah, and I think he hit like right around three fifty, like three forty-five to three fifty at A ball. And 
So he did what he was supposed to do. 347. Yeah. So if he's uh I'm like Rain Man. Uh <laughs> he he did what he's supposed to do. If he if he wants to be that projectable top five pick that he's supposed to be, it's up to him to go out there and do it. And he did everything that he was supposed to do last year. This is a guy I'm gonna be keeping an eye on this year. And a lot of these guys are the reason I'm gonna be buying minor league baseball TV again yeah. this year so that yeah. I can Watch these prospects because you know for damn sure I'm not driving four hours or six hours or however long it takes to get to Norfolk to go watch and gr- to go watch Grayson Rodriguez pitch. I'm gonna have mm-hmm. to uh, watch him from afar on my computer like I did last year. I but, went to Norfolk last year for the first time. It took me six hours to get down there. Yeah, it's a hike. It's man. a really long way. It, it's it's a hike. I would love for the Orioles. Uh, and before it was Norfolk, I believe it was Rochester. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So. Uh, which is also also not, tough. Not, yeah, it's also really far away. I would love for the Orioles uh, AAA team to be closer, but their other their other teams are so close. I would I would love for them to upgrade Aberdeen because you have to make uh, a bigger stadium if you want to make a a team like Aberdeen AAA. You would have to mm-hmm. make a way bigger stadium. You have to have like a minimum number of seats to make a team or a, a ballpark a AAA ballpark. But I would love to see them renovate Aberdeen to a much bigger stadium, uh, and then make it AAA. I, I, I that, just don't think they're, they're never gonna, gonna they're never gonna do it. But I just wish because yeah. we're, it's it's so close to us, and I I would I go there all the time anyway. So I'd love to be able to see the top talent at the organization there. But yeah. Aberdeen still gets some great guys. So it's yeah, always fun. I, I, I don't think that they're going to be building any uh, or renovating any Doubt any it. stadium. And it, it, Aberdeen's already really nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm a fan of going to Aberdeen. And in fact, I don't think I made it to a game there last year. which no. is, which is r- really really sucks, honestly, because I I went and saw Adley Rutschman's uh, Aberdeen debut. I was he, there. He got a base. <laughs> I was there too. That I think this is before we knew each other. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, well, I, I worked there for two years uh, in high school, so that's I was there almost every night. I sat in a suite. Um, for uh, another game later that year, and that's where I got. I, I if you see me, at, if anybody listens to the show and sees me at the gym, and you see me wearing a Delaware blue hens yellow shirt mm-hmm. with the sleeves cut off, because uh, <laughs> sun's out, guns out. Yeah. Um, if you ever see say. me wearing that shirt, I got that at the Iron Ironbirds game because I'm sitting there in a luxury suite, and I see the the people with the shirt cannons mm-hmm. walking on the field, and they're only ever shooting it into the lower level. Mm-hmm. And so I yell down, I'm like, "Hey, <laughs> shoot one up here!" And they were yeah. like, "We're out." But next time, so next time they immediately came over to me and like, they like they gave me the signal wow. and they shot one in a shirt cannon up to me and I called it hands catch. Uh, take some notes, Hollywood Brown. But <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was cool. It was a it was a crowning moment for me in my uh, baseball attendance um, resume. I, I I got a uh, I got a shirt out of a shirt cannon at a uh, Towson basketball game this year. First time I've like ever gotten one of those things. I never win anything or get like anything like that at games for free. So I got one. Yeah, it's me, pretty good. Me either. There was one time where I should have called a foul ball. Oh my gosh, we're going off on the tangent. We're gonna get a break after this, but. Um, <laughs> So I went to. Oh, a, I remember this. I went to an Orioles game with, yeah. with my best friend Adam, who you met watching mm-hmm. the Raven Steelers game. Yep. And I was sitting on the aisle seat. Mm-hmm. Adam is significantly taller than me. I'm like five seven and a half. Adam's yeah. like six two, six one, six two. Yeah. So Adam's like, dude, can I please sit on the end? Uh, my, I I need I need more leg space. And I was like, mm-hmm. sure. So I switched seats with him, and in the first freaking inning. Geronimo Heal, this is how long this uh, long ago this mm-hmm. was. Geronimo Heal hits a line drive foul right to that seat. Adam just stands up with his glove, and that also shows how long ago it was that we were still taking gloves to the game. Stands up with his glove and catches the ball. If I had been in that seat, it would have been mine. But my <laughs> best friend got it. Instead, because I gave him, because I was a nice guy. Look, we, we also remember the story that you told on the show of the ball hitting off of your hand in April this year, um, while you were also <laughs> sitting in the upper section. So I forgot. 
I forgot. I feel like that yeah. was, that's a repressed I remember, memory. I remember that. That was in the first inning yeah. of opening yeah. day at Camden Yards, uh-huh. and it's a pop-up, and I literally, I'm holding my beer in one hand, mm-hmm. and see, I'm, I'm holding my beer in my left hand, and I go to catch the ball with my right hand. Mm-hmm. See, the thing is... You just got to sacrifice the beer if, at that if, point. If you're, yeah, but I'm in the front row. If I sacrifice the beer, the beer's falling down on somebody below me. That's okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's not okay. uh, you, you, you must be related not to, okay. Pat, not to Pat, okay. Pat Mahomes' not okay. fiance. Um, but, so if you're a right-handed guy, which I am, if you throw right-handed, you mm-hmm. catch with your left hand. So the ball hit me in my right hand. I'm not used to catch. I can yeah. catch with that hand, but I'm not used to it. I'm holding a beer. The adrenaline's going. I'm super excited. I'm like the, everything is slowing down because it's like, oh my god, yeah, this yeah, is gonna yeah. happen. And the ball hits me right in the palm of my hand, and there was a delayed reaction, closing my hand, and just pops right out. I got numerous phone calls <laughs> immediately from people who knew me that were in the, that were around that section, giving me hell for not catching that. I. I Thank you for bringing that up because it, it was it was one hundred percent a repressed memory. And then Jim Palmer called you out later that year on TV. That, it was I mean, no, it was that same day. It was that same day. Jim Palmer called me out the same day. Well, that was a great day for you because there was a picture of me and my then fiance, who's now my wife, mm. um, who is not happy with me right now. Um, <laughs> they put they put a picture. Melanie um, Newman posted yeah, a picture yeah. of us at the game because it was our first game since we got engaged in the skybox. Right, right, right. Um, the rear Ruiz walk off home run day. Yeah, rear 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 mm-hmm. still. still the last walk-off home run for yeah. the Orioles. And Jim Palmer called me out for dragging my feet, <laughs> for not I, having I, tied the knot yet. I was watching. I was sitting on my couch watching that game, and I just hear Paul Valley. I'm, I'm like, I, was, I was on my phone because it was, it was commercial break, and then it comes back, and Masson always has these weird things where they like give a next game scoreboard or whatever. It's nothing ever interesting. And I just hear Paul Valley, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> you look up, and oh, there, there's my mug. And with, there, with there you are. On. There you are. And I'm like, whoa. That's that's Paul Valley. That, there's then, that guy. I know that right. Guy. And then uh, Jim's like, "Wow, Paul, you, you're dragging your feet a little bit." And I just, I was losing it. Did you have an elf moment? Oh my god! Yeah, I know him. Yeah, I mean, I didn't do that, but it, it was in my head. I was like, "Whoa, Paul Valley." That's that guy. That's there, that guy. There he is. I, Guys, I, I know that guy. We really got to catch a break. I just want to remind you that, um, look, you can't bet on sp- you can't bet on sports in the state of Maryland on your phone, but you can do brick and mortar if you do want to bet on your phone, though. You can go to Underdog Fantasy Football. They have player props, parlays, and traditional fantasy games. They're all available, and and we're going to give you some free money to play with. Thanks to our friends at Underdog Fantasy Football. You can go to underdogfantasy.com, to underdogfantasy.com, or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Use the code PRESSBOX. Whatever you download, up to $100, we're going to match it. Uh, That's right, just uh, up to $100. So, Zach, if you go in and bet $92.33, we're going to match $92.33 when you use the code PRESSBOX with Underdog Fantasy Football. I want I wanted to make my first bet last week and totally spaced it. I want to make my first bet tomorrow, maybe put down 50 bucks if, if PRESSBOX is going to match me and see if I can't win some real coin here to okay. uh, help pay for a dog. Um, anyway, well into the second hour of uh, the bat around here. When we come back, Zach's going to sound off on something that I agree with him on, but maybe not on the player and then we're going to get in some Orioles banter here on the Battle Round.
Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. From all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. The latest issue of PressBox is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, we're back here on the Bat Around. Uh, really great segment there with Kyle Glazer talking about some Orioles prospects. Kyle Glazer's great. Yeah, yeah he, really he really good. is. He, he's always so willing to come on the show, yeah, man. It, it's, it, awesome. it's, it's It's really awesome. Um, Orioles, uh, I'm sorry, not Orioles banter. Zach, you have a um, you have something that you want to sound off on here. Yeah. And I agree with the premise. Um, and your premise is trading prospects for pitching. Yes. I agree with the premise. Not sure I agree with the player. Let me explain. Let me explain. Okay, so... I, 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 you know, I, I'm prefacing this by saying in the near future, the Orioles should be trading some of their stockpile of prospects for pitching. Uh, Kyle Glazer was just on here a minute ago, and he said 
this is a system that is strong because of the position players. They don't have a lot of pitching. We've talked about this many times. Dan Connolly's been all Which over this. Which is kind of crazy when you think it's, about it because the downfall of the Orioles has always been the pitching right, for and the last they, 20 years. They didn't focus on it again in this rebuild, but it seems like, and, and that could change, of course. They could go into this draft and, and draft three pitchers in the first three rounds and, and really bolster the system. I don't know. They might do that. However, at the current moment, and Dan Connolly wrote an article about this a few years ago that everyone got really upset about, just last year, actually, and... He said the Orioles don't have a lot of pitching behind what they have in Grayson Rodriguez, Deal Hall, Kyle Bradish. Those are the guys. So the Orioles are going to have to start making trades at some point. Trade a guy maybe like a Jordan Westberg. I don't know if it's going to be that good, but we'll see. They're going to start trading guys eventually. I think they need to start making trades by this season. That's my opinion. You need to start t- stockpiling that starting pitching rotation now so by 2023-24 you can have guys that have been in the system for a little while and you can really build out a good starting rotation. So I think you've got to start a little bit small. You're not going to go out there and trade for someone the level of Garrett Cole. It's just not going to happen. Right. And, not not and, yet. Right. And, and it's right now you've got to look to guys that are going to be willing uh, teams are going to be willing to be moved um, and and teams that are kind of in a little bit of a rebuilding or retooling state uh, which the team I picked out here was which I, I picked out the Chicago Cubs um, they're a little bit of a retool I guess you could call it they just signed Marcus Stroman which is kind of weird after trading basically all of their good players in the season they traded Rizzo Chris Bryant uh, they still have a, a few good players in this team, but they definitely sold. Uh, they they got Nick Madrigal now. I mean, they it, they're they're retooling. They're they're kind of changing their processes, changing their ways a little bit. But they have a pitcher named Adbert Alzale, uh, who you probably heard of. He's a he's a pretty okay pitcher is the way I describe him. Uh, he was la- a top 100 prospect. He, w- he pitch, was. Pitch in the future. He was. Game. He's only 26 years old. He put up a 4.58 ERA last year, but the number that sticks out to me, he struck out 9.2 per nine, and then he also had a whip of 1.162, uh, and then he had a, a war of 0.8 uh, this past year. He did lose 13 games, but he lost 13 games because Chicago lost a lot of games this year, and they weren't very good, uh, and, and frankly, by the end of the season, they weren't trying, and that doesn't help, and, and record is not really important for a starting pitcher. I don't really care about it. It's just some people I know like to hear about it. But Adbert Alzale is a guy that I think the Orioles should look into going after. If the Chicago Cubs are willing to trade some of their guys, which we've clearly seen they are, um, he's controllable, he's young, and he's a pitcher that is better than Jordan Lyles and can definitely fill out the number two spot on this pitching staff for a little while, I think in the coming years. And you can have him uh, under under pre-arbitration contract at basically the league minimum for a few more years, and then maybe he gets even better with age. Maybe he's 27, 28-year-old seasons are going to be even better than his 26-year-old season was. So for me, this is a guy that you could just consider as a starting piece. He's not the guy he's gonna, you're going to trade for as your ace. But if you trade, let's say, I'm trying to think of a good idea for this one. I, I don't, don't want to throw a prospect's name out there. But let's say a mid to low-level prospect or two for this guy, which I think is plausible. Maybe the Cubs would make you give up a little more than that. But if it's not something that's going to break the bank on the Orioles' end, this could be a really good add as a number two behind John Means. Yeah. I like the premise He's gonna be twenty. He's gonna be twenty-seven. He's gonna be twenty-seven in, in, yep. four, in yep. four weeks. March first yep. is his birthday. Um, ERA was what, like four five eight. Four five eight. Four five eight. And and the FIP was four six five. So it wasn't really that much of a difference. Yeah, so that's good. So didn't ha- he was okay in the yeah. minor leagues? A sub four ERA in his minor league career, mm-hmm. but he wasn't great. Um, hasn't been great. It, it re- honestly, it, it it really depends on. To me, it depends on the prospect that you're trading. That you're giving up. Absolutely. and I, I, I'm not sure that I'd be willing to give up anything higher than a top 20 prospect. I, I mean, and when I say that, I mean like 20 to 30. 
in the top in the top twenty. Because, I mean, in, because in the top of 30. his age and his ability to be controlled for over three more years, I think he's going to take a little bit more than you would expect. See, he, he's not that young. No, he's not. But you know, that was his first full season last year, yeah. and he's going to be twenty-seven. He's not that yeah. young. You're talking about him like he's twenty-two, twenty-three. He's 27 years well, old. Well, yeah, the thing is, though, you aren't going to get a guy who's 22, 23. That's just a problem. Yeah. You, you, no. You, no. What the Orioles are going to have to do, and it's kind of clear as day to me what they're going to have to do, is they're going to have to get their pitching from the free agent market and through trades, and that's right. one of the reasons they move that left field wall back. They can say, oh, we really think it's going to help our pitchers. The Orioles' number one reason for moving that left field wall back is that they know they're going to have to buy pitching, and th- that's the best way to do it is to make your ballpark more competitive for your pitchers, right? Yeah. Um, so... If they were to if they were to trade for a guy like that, if he ended up here and they gave up a mid to low level prospect, mm-hmm. I'd be okay with it. I don't want to give up a name that we know. I'm not willing to give up a Kyle Stowers or a Jordan Westberg or somebody like no, that. No, not, which, not uh, Stowers. Then, no, probably not. But I I wouldn't throw it completely out. Yeah, I, I, uh, Westberg. No, I wouldn't give up Westberg. If, for him. if you explain that to your fan base when Kyle Stowers is hitting 250 with 30 homers mm-hmm. for the Cubs. And Albert Alzale is in his third year with the Orioles, and his best season was a four four two ERA with nine wins. Like, like you explain think, that to your family. I think, unfortunately, though, that's going to be the reality. You almost have to make a trade like that at some point. I just think that's if you really want to get starting pitching, it's going to come at a price. And I think Kyle Stowers is maybe a fair price for him. I, I do. I, I think that maybe a little bit of an Orioles overpay. Maybe you get a, sm- a low level prospect back with, or maybe like a seventeen year old Dominican summer league guy back for for Alzale uh, or with Alzale, I should say, but. I don't know. That that doesn't seem like t- it's too far off to me. And you also have to know the Cubs' willingness to move on. Sure. Yeah, like. absolutely. I mean, we, know, we, we don't know. This is just a name that, 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 that This is that someone Zach that I, I like. This is so, I think Alzale is a, a pretty decent pitcher, and he's not someone who's going to break the bank a, as far as what you're trading back. And that's why I picked Alzale out. And I think he's a guy who's young and controllable, which is obviously something uh, teams look into big time. I mean, that's, that's very important. Yeah, I just... I... I, I you say use caution when you say young and controllable because the fact that he's twenty six is young. The, the, he's twenty seven. Well, he's, he, basically, he, yeah. he's twenty seven. Yeah. Right. the The fact that he's twenty seven and still controllable worries me because if he was uh, if he was yeah, good enough, I mean, I mean, some some people are late bloomers. You know what I mean? Trey Mancini yeah. was twenty seven when he was really coming into his own. Yep. So I, I I understand that. I would have to see what they gave up. And I would actually have to see. I've never seen the guy pitch. Mm-hmm. I'd have to see something work because nine point two strikeouts per nine innings. That also doesn't stand out to me because most pitchers can strike out nine per nine these days. It's it's higher than I would say the averages. Um, but you know he's also a guy who's a great spin rate on his curveball. Um, good spin rate on his fastball. Gives up a little too much hard hits for his for his own good. But um, and, and the Orioles can work with him on that. And he, he just he sounds so much like Jorge Lopez to me. No, he's be- way better than Jorge Lopez. Way better. I, again, I've, ne- I've never seen him pitch. Now, maybe I'll, I'll watch this guy pitch and be like, wow, they, they may have something here. I've just never yeah. seen him pitch. You, you look at the numbers. You look at the age. To me, you th- you see the age as a highlight. I see it as a low light. He's got a six-pitch mix, too, which is something that I think is, is pretty nice. And he's a sinker baller and, and slider guy. So, and he um, has six pitches. Can he throw them all for strikes? Well, I mean, uh, the curveball and the what's, cu- what's his walk rate? The curveball and the cutter he's had some issues with. Uh, I'd have to pull up his walk. Uh, actually, it's two point four, two point four per nine. Two point. Okay, that's not bad. That's yeah, not bad. Yeah, I, I'd be open to it depending on what the Orioles what the Orioles give up. Um, this isn't going to be the year where they're going. I do think they're going to sign another starting pitcher. Too. I do. I do. I, I, I really do. Once once this thing gets figured out, because I don't think that they that you can go into it with John Means, Jordan Lyles, and then huh? Like I just don't yeah. think that that they can do that again. 
Um, but we'll see. We'll see. It's not. I agree with the premise of your idea, and maybe the, and maybe the player. I, I I agree with you to a certain extent. I just feel like, but I'm also thinking of it like. When I think I, of the I, Orioles training prospects for pitching, I'm thinking of the Orioles training prospects for pitching that's going to get them over a certain hump that they're yeah. not to yet. Um, so I, I guess maybe I have to be a little bit more open-minded to something that's a stepping stone. I think that's it, like what you're looking at this Exactly. Has. It's a starting piece. It's not your ace. It's not the guy you're going to go out that's going to change everything for this team, but it's a starting piece. I Like, I think Lyles is kind of a starting piece, but he's better than Lyles, in my opinion, and uh, he gives up a lot less home runs than Lyles, which is a big difference. Uh, but he's a guy that I, I think can just... At least give you two or three good years, and you know, at at twenty seven, maybe twenty seven through his twenty nine season, he could be okay. I, I think this is a, it would be a well, solid move. But again, it really depends on what you give up. And, and, and I could be doing what other people did with Jordan Lyles, where there's a common misnomer with Jordan Lyles that he's a five fifteen pitcher, mm-hmm. and yes, that's what his stats say. But two out of every three times out there, he's giving you a, a good ball game. You know, he, yeah. all the yeah. qualities. So the numbers, you, you throw in eight bad outings and the numbers look the way they are and you're ignoring 23 really good outings. Mm-hmm. You know, so, uh, and maybe that's what I'm doing with, with Alzale. I would have to look further into him. So I, I agree with the premise and maybe the player. Um, and maybe I need to temper my, my expectations a little bit for trades. Yeah, I, I think they'll probably start trading for starting pieces eventually and then they'll get into the bigger name guys when they're really players in the market especially when you look at the trade deadline maybe 2023 24 those will be the times when you can start really going after the big names especially 2024 i think is is a prime time for that in that offseason and then going to that trade deadline well very very good zach good selling off segment thank you it was, it was a good one zach texted me last night he's like dude what what is there to sound what, off on? What, yeah. what is there to sound off on? There's nothing going on, and we are like we already sound off on yeah. a lot of stuff anyway, mm-hmm. like the the CBA and the Hall of Fame. I, I was going to talk about bonds, and then I knew you were going to talk about bonds, and then yeah. but something I've been thinking about a lot lately is how the Orioles are going to acquire pitching, and I thought Alzale is a really would be a solid move. So, um, Orioles banter, Buck Britton as the Tides manager, and I feel like like Stan was misinterpreting what I was saying earlier today, um, in that I don't think that Buck Britton is being groomed to be the next Orioles manager. No. There are people that are putting those pieces together outwardly. I don't think it's so intentional like everyone thinks it is. Yeah. It's, I, it, it's they, not they, that. They're just moving him up. He's moving yeah. up at the same time that the prospects he's been right. managing are, are moving up. And I just, I, I really, I think they like him. I think he's going to be part of a big league coaching staff maybe as soon as 2023. Yeah. I, re- I really do. I agree. Um, I don't think that he's being groomed. There's no way that the Orioles brass say we're grooming this guy to be our next manager. I and they still have Brandon Hyde under contract. Look, I here's my problem with it. So I, I said it before, but people are just saying this because he's Zach Britton's brother. I really think that's the big thing here is that he, you know, he's Zach Britton's brother, and that Zach Britton's a beloved guy here in Baltimore. But the bigger thing about it too is think about it this way: Why would the Orioles take a guy like Brandon Hyde, who had no major league experience in managing? and come in and have him manage for a few years, give him no quality product, and then fire him for another guy who's never managed well, at the major league level. That doesn't not, make any sense. It's not going to be a firing. Well, it should be, it would be a parting of ways, I guess is what because, you could call because it. Because when his contract runs up, they just don't renew it. Sure. But I still look at that as kind of, you kind of fired him a yeah. little bit. I mean, you're moving. I mean, well, I mean, so I'll, I'll rephrase. Moving on. Why would you move on for a guy who also has no major league managing exactly. experience? It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. And... and I'm so confused as to what the Orioles' plan is with Brandon Hyde. And I, 
and, and that's the other thing where maybe I, I wasn't getting the question out correctly to Stan. Mm-hmm. But it, I it, think it, I got what you were trying to say. But but it, it it boggles my mind that you would make this guy a lame duck manager yep. and give him no talent to evaluate him with. Right. You can't just say, okay, well, we're giving you Adley Rutschman. Go win 75 games. I mean, you, you, you can't just say that. Right. Like, like, he has no defined future with this ball club right. after 2022. Mm-hmm. He has no pitching. No. And John Means is a very good pitcher, but John Means gets hurt every He's year. one guy, too. And he's one, one guy. One guy. He has no starting pitching. Yep. He has five guys in this lineup that you can count on. Mm-hmm. Five guys, maybe, and that's assuming that Rutschman is who we think he, he is. And assuming that Trey Mancini bounce, bounces back. And assuming that Austin Hayes can stay healthy. I look at this at this roster and I look at this team and it's like, why would you only give Brandon Hyde one year if you don't plan on giving him yeah. something that you can evaluate him on? Well, let's think about it this way too. Say the Orioles hired... Buck Britton as their manager in 2019 instead of Brandon Hyde. Let's say Buck Britton just did everything Brandon Hyde just did for the past three years and then comes out again with the with this 2022 extension and has to do with what Brandon Hyde has to do this year. And then the, the Orioles don't renew his contract and they hire Brandon Hyde to take on the competitive team. You see what I'm saying? Like, it, you could switch these roles and they'd be the exact same thing. Not exactly, because Brandon Hyde was a man, was a minor league manager of the year, won a couple championships as a minor yeah, league manager, yeah. and, and he, had, he had already had big league roles. That's fair. He he was a bench coach for a long time. He, he was, uh, first he, base coach as well. So He was more pr- and he actually managed a game or two at the big league level yeah. when guys got thrown out and whatnot. So he had proven himself I, more than Buck Britton. I agree. I point. just don't really think... The, but I, get, the, what you're, the re- I get what you're saying. The result from 2019 to 2021 wouldn't have been any different with Buck Britton as manager. No, I just and, don't and, think and it would have been. And the Orioles know that. Right. The so the that, that's what that. I'm saying. So why does it make sense to get rid of Brandon Hyde at this point? It it, it doesn't. No. It doesn't. It, but it also doesn't make sense to make him a lame duck manager. Yeah, that makes no sense yeah. unless you plan. And that's why I was trying. That's the point that I was getting trying to get across the stand. Yeah, it doesn't make sense unless your plan is to give him talent where you can see real improvement on the field. Nobody thinks this team's winning ninety games this year. Nobody thinks this team's winning eighty games no. this year. Nobody even thinks they're winning seventy. If we're being uh, honest, most <laughs> pe- most people don't. But are the Orioles going to give him? enough of a roster that with good managing and good decisions that he can get this team to 70-75 wins no. this year. No. And if that's not the case, then why did you only give why did you make him a lame duck manager? How can you evaluate yeah, I mean, this guy if you don't give him the talent to do to, to work with? Exactly. There's nothing to to evaluate him on. And then you can throw another manager out there and you give him a bunch of talent. Um, and he succeeds, and then you say, oh, well, letting go of Brandon Hyde and moving on to this guy was the right decision, when Brandon Hyde, in reality, might have been able to do the same thing with the same talent if you just had given him that talent in the previous year. So you're right. There's there's nothing to evaluate him on. I don't know what their thought process is behind Brandon Hyde and where his future stands. I, I, I still don't believe that Brandon Hyde will manage the next World Series team for the Orioles. I just don't see that happening. Um, maybe that'll I, be Zach Goodman. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, but... Uh, I, I don't see it being Brandon Hyde at this point. Well, and that, that's if the Orioles ever get there. Again, we, we we hope. We don't know that they're what's going on over there. Nothing. Nothing. N- another Just, weird comment. Uh, no, no. We'll, we'll discuss it later during the break. Okay. Yeah. Um, another guy who's interested in getting into coaching here, so it would seem, is Adam Jones. And mm. guys, I know that you love Adam Jones. It's like hiring Ed Reed as defensive coordinator. Yeah. 
Uh, Ed Reed has coached <laughs> in the NFL. Yeah. He's been a secondary yeah, coach in the was. NFL. I love Adam Jones. We all do. Mm-hmm. I think Adam Jones borderline should have his number retired for everything that he's meant to this franchise. Yeah. But I look at Adam Jones and, like, take the sentimental way. Mm-hmm. He has no coaching experience. Exactly. What, what, do you, what are you has, hiring like, him on the what, basis what, of? What, what are you going to hire him as? Yeah. And is he going to be willing to take a low-A coaching job mm-hmm. and be part of a minor league shuttle, sh- like, like literally riding minor league buses, yeah. to be a coach? I doubt it. You would hope that if, if he wants to get into coaching. Now, some guys don't do that. There, there, there have been plenty of guys who got to the major leagues very quickly after the, as a manager after their playing career ended. I would need to see something from him that shows that he has the ability to be a quality coach. And maybe it's one year of being a third base coach at AAA. Yeah. And he's so respected by his teammates and or, or by, by by his players and you know he commands that clubhouse and they really listen to what he has to say. Okay. But what kind of like let let's forget that Adam Jones is your favorite player. Yeah. And that he was the heart and soul of the Orioles for 10 years. What has he done to earn a coaching role? Right. And he didn't, and if he, he wants one, he can get one. He didn't necessarily play a position either that requires the kind of leadership that catcher does, or you know, even. I, I mean, my point is here is that Adam Jones has no resume of of coaching or anything to go off of. You're hiring him on the basis of that he's, he's Adam, Adam Jones. Jones, and I think Orioles fans, I've noticed this a lot, are getting really caught up in sentiment lately, and I don't blame them because there isn't a lot great going on at the moment uh, within the major league team. So I, I don't blame them exactly, but. You know, a better guy for that role, if you really want to talk about Orioles players that maybe should be future coaches, managers, is Matt Wieters, a guy who, you know, is, is a good leader and ran the uh, ran the team and, and is a guy who's a catcher and really knows how to, I guess, lead and, and be the captain of the field. That's a more plausible thing than I think Adam Jones would be, but really all of them are kind of random names you're just picking out because you're sentimental about them. You know, I, I think that's more of what it is than and anything. This isn't this isn't a, we're not attacking Adam Jones. Zach and I love Adam Jones as much as the next no. person. Oh, but I love you, it. You, you have to be able to separate your sentimentality towards him and his ability to do what he wants to do. And I, I'm mm-hmm. not saying he can't coach, but he's gonna have to be willing to take a coaching job in the low levels of the minor leagues sure. and work his way up. And is Adam Jones, is Adam Jones willing to do that? I mean, I would guess no. Yeah, look look at the players who have been stars in this league. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head, the only managers I can think of who have been stars in this league are Joe Torre and Lou Piniella. I, I would argue Don Mattingly as well. Yeah, sneeze. I would argue Don Mattingly as well. Uh, but <laughs> and, and Don Mattingly, but it took Mattingly, Don Mattingly a long time to get there. It did, and, and that's the thing. It's going to take anybody, really, a long time to get there because you just don't... You can play as long as you want and meet as many people and do all the great things in baseball, but being a manager and being a player are two very different things. And it's just you've got to you've got to figure out, I guess, what you are as a manager before you come up and just manage the the major league baseball team immediately. You've got to start out low and you've got to you've got to prove yourself at just like anybody else would. So I think, and I love Adam Jones as much as anybody. He's a great player. Um, but he was a star in this league. He would have to prove himself as a, as a, as a Is he coach. willing to go back and pay his dues again? Right. He's, he's got to prove himself as a coach. And yeah. so far, we have nothing to go off of that he's done that. Yeah. Yeah. And he was still playing as of 
last year. Right. I believe he's not under contract anymore, but I, I, I'm not entirely up on that situation. Yeah, but I, I, I imagine he's not going to play again. I, I think he's I, done. I, I imagine yeah. that he's going to. Were you the one who said he should come back and play for the Orioles this year? I never said that. Somebody said that he should come back and be no, a part-time player. No, it wasn't player. me. <laughs> uh, and no. there was somebody who I, I, I respect their opinion on baseball, so when they said that, I was like, are you out of your freaking mind? Right. But anyway, no, I that. I digress. That was definitely not me. I can promise you. Look, the, that that commenter on the on the feed um, who didn't want us talking about Hall of Fame because it was boring. Uh, sorry, man. We're Unfortunately, talk, we're, we're gonna have to, <laughs> to have we're, to talk about it. We're talking about the Hall of Fame. David Ortiz in on the first ballot. Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa all fall off the ballot after their tenth year and final year of eligibility. Um, Sammy Sosa. Uh, Sammy, <laughs> he never, he really never should have been on the ballot in the first place. I, I he really hit over six hundred home runs. Yeah, but. He didn't do anything before, you know, the steroid era. That's <laughs> not true either. Uh, I, well, we've had this discussion on the show before, so I won't put people through but it again. Just, just, I am not a Sammy Sosa fan Sammy, at all. Sammy Sosa was a caricature, right? He was a caricature. Yeah. And then he came to Baltimore and he was terrible. And he wasn't great. He, he wasn't. Didn't have that glowing personality because he was terrible and he knew he was terrible. Mm-hmm. He didn't have, I remember him hitting a fly. In Canyon Yards, with its dimensions being what they were before they moved this left field wall back, he hit a fly ball where he did a Sammy Sosa home run hop, and it got caught at the edge of the warning track. Yep. And it, it, like that's what Sammy Sosa became in Baltimore. I think Sammy Sosa was a poster boy for steroids. And, and he knew it. That's why he claimed he didn't speak English in the congressional hearings. So I, I, I look at Sammy Sosa, and I'm like, whatever. That, that guy fell off the ballot. I don't know that anybody will ever put him in. No. I think he only got like 13% or something Bare, really because low. Because everybody knows that, yeah. that, that... Well, that's what I'm saying. That's my yeah. point. Yeah, but he was a 30-40 homer guy before 98. Yes, he was. He, he was. Um, and he was actually a speedster at the beginning of his career. Yeah, he stole 234 or something or something like that. He was, he was a 30-40 stolen base yeah. guy before he became what he became with the Cubs. Yeah. Um, but Barry Bonds, seven-time MVP, four of, three of, four of which... Was it three or four that he won before two thousand? I think he won. He won four MVP. He won four MVPs before two thousand. Yeah. All time leader in walks. All time leader in intentional walks. Barry Bonds led the league in walks six times in seven years prior to two thousand. Also stole five hundred and fourteen bases. Right. Barry Bonds led the league in intentional walks eight times from six, nineteen six hundred eighty eight. Eight years in a row. From ni- I'm sorry, seven years in a row, from 1992 to 1998, Barry Bonds led the majors in intentional walks every year. Yeah. So people that are saying, oh, well, those walks only... Somebody tried to make the argument that the walks only came because of the steroids. No. Barry Bonds was the most prolific on-base guy in baseball his entire career before he allegedly started taking steroids in 2000. We say allegedly because nothing's been proven, but we Correct. know. It, but we know, right? Um, although somebody said to me the other day, how do you know? It was John Miller. He, he's like, you say you know, but do you have evidence? How do you know? Was he one of the ones highlighted in Canseco's book in 1995? I, I, or not, it may have been later than that. But he wrote Canseco's that. Canseco's book came out well well after Yeah, that. you're right, you're right. I was, but I was I thinking. I, I think Canseco was just it talking was about guys. It's called Juiced. Yeah, I, I, I own the book. I, yeah. I, I, I believe, he, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I believe he only talked about guys that he played with. Yeah, he named and like. In, and injected himself. He named like 10 or so guys. That, and I, I he don't think. He named Palmero, think, he named McGuire. I, I don't think Bonds was part of that. Yeah, because if you look at Barry Bonds, 
there is evidence that he didn't use steroids prior to 2000. Right. And then in, it, it was really the McGuire-Sosa thing where Barry Bonds knew he was 10 times the player that yep. each one of those guys were, and they weren't talking about him. He was a Hall of Fame player with 10 years left in his career, and nobody was talking about him because of Sosa McGuire. So we said, I'll get you guys talking about me. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go out there and hit 73 freaking home runs by doing the same thing they were doing. Do you want to know the most crazy Barry Bonds stat to me? 12, 12 seasons in a row within a 1,000-plus OPS. Mm-hmm. That's just ridiculous. And then he had one year where he hit 999 and then went back to 1,000 the next year. That's And, that, and, and by the way, in that last year, 2007, his retirement year, he had an 1,045 OPS. Yeah. He was a monster. I mean, Barry Bonds uh, only retired because his body started giving up right, on him. Right. He he could still he was still the best player. He was forty two years old yeah. at that point. Barry Bonds in two thousand four had three hundred and seventy three at bats. And how, he had, how do you and, know that? And because we just talked <laughs> about right on. Show, okay. And he reached base three hundred and seventy six times. He reached base yeah. more than he had official at bats in a season. That is the craziest stat in the history of baseball. And he is on base percentage? It was like 606. 609. I mean, that's just astronomical. You look at guys today. Astronomical. It is. And you look at guys today, over, and you look for, for on base percentages over 400, you go, that's really good. Yeah. And then you look at this guy with 609 in 2004, and you're like... I saw Bobby Abreu's career on base percentage was 395, and I was like, wow, that's really good. Yeah. Barry Bonds had an on base percentage of 609 in 2004. And, and four, 444 career. Yeah. Yeah, like, he is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the five greatest players that have ever stepped foot on the baseball field. Two greatest players. I, or three. Two or three. I can't decide. He's, he's either two or three for me. I, I mean, he is... David Ortiz is a Hall of Famer. Yes. He hit over 500 home runs. He did test positive for steroids. They said that some players have false positive, but they never said who. Right. So you can make all the assumptions you want that maybe he was one of those guys that had a false positive. Yeah. And he's been adamant throughout his entire career that he never used steroids. Well, no, duh. Who wouldn't be yeah. adamant that they didn't use steroids if it could impact him getting into the Hall of Fame? Alex Rodriguez went to great lengths threatening people's lives and livelihoods to keep his, his name out of steroid speculation and then ended up serving a year, year um, suspension because of it. Who wouldn't deny using steroids if it could impact you like that? Right, I think we all know Ortiz used steroids. I think we all know Bonds and Clemens used steroids. Uh, Clemens' arm was done after Boston, and then he puts up 10 years where he was one of the best pitchers in the game. But this was the steroid era. Everybody else was using steroids too, and these were the best players of that bunch. Barry Bonds should have been a unanimous Hall of Fame guy. I'm with you. He should have been unanimously voted into the Hall of Fame. Somebody um, somebody put out the BBWAA, Baseball Writers Association of America, stands for Barry Bonds was an asshole. <laughs> and that's why he's not in. Yeah. If Barry Bonds was a media darling, he would have been in on the first ballot. Maybe the second. Maybe they would have punished him for a year. But the fact that Barry Bonds is off the Hall of Fame ballot now is a travesty. I agree. I, I, it's an absolute travesty. Look, the way I look at it as, and I said this before, uh, but it, you look at the Hall of Fame, and the Hall of Fame, the point of the Hall of Fame is to recognize the greatest players in baseball history, no matter what. And Barry Bonds, to me, is a top three baseball player in the history of the game. There is almost no doubt that most, uh, probably for the rest of 
the the existence of Major League Baseball, no one will ever do what Barry Bonds did. It's he, never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. Juan Soto might. I don't know if he'll ever hit seventy three home runs. In a single no, season. Nobody's ever going to do that. Or hit 762 in his career. No, nobody will be given the opportunity to hit I, 73 home I am, runs. I'm convinced that Juan Soto will go down as, as a top 10 baseball player of all time. I think he's more going to fall in the realm of like a Ted Williams, though, than a Barry Bonds, where, and Ted Williams is one of the greatest of all time, but doesn't maybe doesn't hit as many home runs. Anyway, point, point being is Barry Bonds is top three of all time, and you have to recognize him as a Hall of Fame as that, right? He's not anything different. He is one of if not the greatest, you know, baseball player of all time, and you have to recognize him for his accomplishments no matter what. I, I and, and look, a lot of people were doing steroids in that era, and, it, and I'm not going to say whether he Brian did or not. Brian Roberts did yeah. steroids. I'm not going to say whether he did or not, but look. No, 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 it, it, he tested positive. No, I know, I'm, I'm talking about Bonds, though. Oh, but okay. you're right, for Roberts, yes. But Bonds is just a guy that... You just can't ignore the accomplishments and the the uh, I guess the contributions to the game, and really he didn't. I, I don't want to say he didn't hurt anyone, but he didn't hurt anyone with what he did. He was just a you know he he wasn't the nicest guy in the world. I don't think, but he was a guy who never was really you know. I'm not sure what the right word to use is, but you get what I'm trying to say. People people had a respect for Bonds that I don't think they had for for some other players in the game at the time. We had John, like Alex Rodriguez. We had John Miller. On Glenn Clark Radio this past mm-hmm. week, and I, oh, I love John Miller. I was jealous because that meant we couldn't get him for this show this week. Um, and he said that he had a personal relationship with Barry Bonds, and Barry Bonds was one of the nicest guys he knows. I I don't doubt it. And he he said that the reverence with which Barry Bonds treat, treats Willie Mays, and like he'll go get Willie Mays food and, and take care of him, and this that and yeah. the other. And he doesn't have tolerance for the BS, yeah. right? But. If he knows you, he's one of the nicest guys in the world if he knows you. If he yeah. doesn't know you, he doesn't have time for you. But if he knows you, he'll treat you like family, yeah. is what John Miller said. So, and whatever. Will- I don't care. Eddie Murray didn't. Eddie Murray, John Miller also said, Eddie Murray is one of the nicest guys he's ever met in the game of baseball. Yeah. In the game of baseball, and the media hated him mm-hmm. because he didn't want to talk to the media. And it's a shame that these baseball writers have that power to keep somebody out of the Hall of Fame because, yeah. oh, he wasn't nice to me. Or, oh, he wouldn't yeah. give me an interview for an article I wanted to write. Like, it's it's crap. Yeah. And if Barry Bonds... One guy even wrote an article he said, if Barry Bonds was a nice guy, I'd have him in the Hall of Fame. But there yeah. is a character clause. There's a character clause in Ty Cobb, who killed a man, is in the Hall of Fame. And was uh, I actually no- didn't know that. And was a notorious racist. Yeah, I didn't and know that. And Ty Cobb, <laughs> and he would intentionally sharpen his cleats mm-hmm. so he could spike people sliding in the bases. Not a good guy. And he's in the Hall of Fame, but yeah. Barry Bonds isn't because he wouldn't give you an interview. And Barry Bonds, I mean, I, I maybe I wasn't really I was alive during a little bit of his career, but not, obviously not the whole thing. But I don't remember ever people absolutely hating the guy outside of what the baseball writers absolutely hating the guy. I, I do. Pe- I, I, people, people were when he hit seventy three home runs, there was just this shock and awe about the guy and what he did. I mean, it's, but but the, even then, everybody knew why. I remember people hating Alex Rodriguez for what he did and and the guy he was, but. I don't know. Barry Bonds, I, I just feel like people had this respect for the legendary numbers he was putting up. I remember watching Barry Bonds, and it was I think it was up in Philly in the 96 Home Run Derby. And I remember hearing stories about he, how he was a jerk back then. Mm-hmm. And certain things I won't say on the air because I, I, like, I remember hearing things, uh, all sorts of different things that nobody else can corroborate. Yeah. So I don't want to say something if nobody else can corroborate sure. it, right? But I, I heard some bad things about Barry Bonds. Fair. 
Never killed anybody. Never beat the hell out of anybody. Nothing like that. Just didn't want to talk to the media at the end and of the that's day. And that's what I'm trying to and, say. And, and, right. and that's why he's not in the Hall of Fame. And, and it's a shame because... No, the today's today's game era committee will meet again this coming win- this coming winter, next winter, and they could put him in. And I think they might. I, I think they, they might. Do. I hope they do. Barry Bonds 100%. If David Ortiz... And I said this earlier in the show. Barry Bonds was the epitome of a five-tool player. Yep. If David Ortiz, who was a one-tool player, and that tool still wasn't as good as Barry Bonds, no. is in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot... Barry Bonds should have been in unanimously, and then, and Roger it, it's Roger Clemens most Cy Youngs of all time seven. Barry Bonds most MVPs of all time seven. Most walks of all time highest on base percentage, and no, actually he doesn't have the highest on base percentage, but the highest number of walks, highest number of intentional walks, yeah. and of course the most home runs in baseball history. Pete Rose the most hits in baseball history, none in the Hall of Fame. Is it wild to you that Willie Mays had ten more All Star or All Star appearances than Barry Bonds? Isn't that wild? He had 24 All-Stars. Well, there, was, the, there were years where they had two All-Star games. Oh, you're right. That, that's actually true. Yeah, but still, it goes down in the books. Because Brooks Robinson there was had those more years, yeah. All-Star appearances than he had seasons played. Yeah. Because he made the All-Star game twice in, in years. You're right on that. But uh, Willie Mays was an All-Star every year from 1954 to 1972, and then again in 1973. So he was... 156 war, which just trails Barry Bonds by a few. So he has 156 war, and he trails Barry Bonds. Right, Barry think Bonds 162. So think, think about that, uh, and that's I, still not the most of all time. That's not still not the highest war. Is of Ruth all time. the highest of all time? I believe he is. I'm gonna check that out. I, I I think you're right. I think it's like 170 something. Yeah, it is. Oh, eight 183. Wow. 183. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know how they calculated that. I'm just cons- I'm curious well, about you, how you, you look at his. It's his inflated numbers. Mm-hmm. Compared to everybody else in the league, so like you, you, you wins above replacement. At the time, a replacement level player might be a 10, 15 homer guy. Yeah, and, and Ruth is hitting fifty to a sixty home runs every right. year. So, so your WAR is calculated differently. Whereas when Bonds played, uh, he might hit forty five home runs, and Griffey's out there hitting fifty six. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But Bonds is stealing more bases and and whatnot, and, and getting on base at a higher clip. It so, actually surprises me that that Babe Ruth has a higher on-base percentage all time than Barry Bonds did by 30 points, which is actually kind of surprising to me. Well, because, again, he, yeah, was, the infl- the, right. he, he was the one yeah, guy yeah. that was going to beat no, you, I, I so understand. you couldn't yeah. let him beat you. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what Barry Bonds was. Barry Bonds was a modern-day Babe Ruth. You know, I, yep. the, I, I don't doubt that Barry Bonds was a better baseball player than Babe Ruth. I don't doubt that. No, Babe, Babe, he, he was. Babe Ruth was very good. Yeah, and Babe Ruth could do a lot of different things. I think one year Babe Ruth hit like seventeen triples. Yeah, so it was something crazy. Ruth could do a lot of different things. He was he was a he was on a Hall of Fame track as a pitcher before he decided to stick to strict to strictly hitting. Boy, we are we are running late on this show. We got to get a third break here. We do. Uh, so we're we're gonna we're gonna catch uh, another break when we come back. We're gonna close things out. A little bit of trivia for Zach and I. I got a whopper for him this time. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. Help.org. That first sip. That first bite. 
Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Right, welcome back to the Bat Around. Been a really good show today. Special a late thanks. Show. Yeah, it's always a late show. That's fine. It's not too late. Um, nah, it's all right. Special thanks to Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Stan was in a great mood today, and I love when Stan's in a great mood. Um, we're going to talk to him again next week. Kyle Glazer was the guy who I had in mind for the show when we were closing things out last week. Mm-hmm. He's always so accommodating. Yeah, right. So really right. great to have him on the show and talk about their top 100 prospects list. And guys, the Orioles, the Orioles have some guys. That don't crack their top ten. It would be top five guys in other oh, in, easy. in other easy. teams' organizations. The Orioles' system is loaded. They just they got to get that pitching figured out. Yep. Speaking of pitching, got a little trivia here for you, Zach. I'll, I'll close my computer to make everything fair. I'm not cheating on this one. Jim Palmer won twenty games in a season and astounding eight times in his career. Okay. In fact, since his debut in 1965, not one pitcher in the game has has amassed as many twenty win seasons. As Palmer. Okay. Nine pitchers in history have more 20 win <laughs> seasons than Palmer. I won't make you name them all because five of them happened in the, in the 1800s. Okay. Including Cy Young, who had nine of his record 15 20 win seasons in the 1800s. Okay. So who are the four pitchers since 1900 with more 20 win seasons than Jim Palmer? And the reason I ask you this. Is because these are all names that you know. Okay. You might there's four of them. You, these are all names that you know. You might not be able to get them, but you know them. 
How many guesses do you think I get here? We'll give you 10 guesses. I honestly, I this is not something I know a lot about, I'll be honest with you, so this could be very tough. Like me with ballparks last week. Yeah, I... I'm gonna um let me tell you a story about a bridge and then quiz you <laughs> on it. Yeah, well um I'm gonna start off with Greg Maddox. I'll give that one a shot. No. Okay. He has a record for most consecutive fifteen win seasons. I, I see the time by the time he pitched, I figured that twenty game winners well, weren't you also, nearly as common. You also have to remember that I said nobody has won, has had more twenty game twenty win seasons than Palmer. Who had eight since he came in the league in 1960? Oh, so it's got to so, be pre. The, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. It's, it's since 1900, but nobody's oh. had more than has had as many so, as so eight since it, Palmer. We're, we're we're talking more pre 60s here. We're talking well before that. Oh, jeez. But these are all names that you know. So Greg Maddox is pretty far off from Greg that. Maddox wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Greg Maddox's parents were probably weren't even alive. Their yeah. parents' parents' okay. eyes. Wow, I, I I misunderstood the question, uh, but whoo, this is absolutely. Uh, Lefty Grove. No. No. Oh, uh, wow. That's one guess. Uh, w- uh, that's two. That's two. Yeah. Um, Walter Johnson. Walter Johnson comes in at third with 12. Okay. That's three guesses. Oh, this is this is really, really difficult. Um, Walter, he might be the only one I get, uh, if we're being honest here. Um, wow, 20 game winners pre-1965. Um that had nine or more. That had nine or more, yeah. So I'm just trying to think of the greatest pitchers of all time from, from that era. I mean, Cy Young definitely would have been one of my guesses, but that... Right, know, but, he, had, but he did... He, he won, but if I included Cy Young because he won nine of his 15 in the 1800s, I would yeah. have had to include all the other yeah. uh, guys from the 1800s, and you never would have gotten them. I never would have gotten them, no. I, Babe Ruth had a few 20-game winner, uh, winning seasons, but it's not him. He only had like two or three, so um, I don't even know if it was that, but he was not it. I don't think he ever had a 20-game winning season. I believe he did, or at least 19 games, or something like that. He was really close. I think it was uh, a lot think, of guys. I think won- you're thinking of his consecutive scoreless inning streak, in the, in, which was like 19 innings. I, he might have won like 19 games at some point. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, uh, wow, this is very difficult. Um, you might have to start giving me some some hints here because there's no hint that I can give. Th- you. This is this is very tough. Pre 1965, my baseball knowledge does not really go v- back that that far. Um, these are names that you know. I'm know sure they you, are. I'm sure they are. Names. I'm sure they are. But uh, I I don't know what year. I, I this you're I, right. Babe Ruth won 23 games in 1916 yeah, yeah. and 24 in 1917. Yeah. Um. I don't even know if this is the right era. I'm just gonna take a wild guess here. Bob Gibson? No. Was he after? Well, after. Jim Palmer. Okay. He yeah, was I, around the same time. As you. I was thinking he was more 60s. Yeah. Um, pre 1965. Walter Johnson. Already guessed Lefty Grove. That wasn't correct. Wow. This this is. You're right. This is hard. Uh. Is there? And there's no hint you can give me even the team. I don't, I, I don't know the teams. Oh, they're like not. They don't exist anymore. The teams I'm sure, <laughs> doesn't I'm, help. I'm, I'm sure the teams exist. I don't Just think. Under, I, don't, under, I don't think you'd know the teams either. Mm. Wow. I'm I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a complete blank. I know I know these guys too. Like I I I know I know who they are. You want to just give up? Yeah, I'm gonna have to. All right, number one, Christy Matheson. Oh, with thirteen. That's annoying. Tied for number one, Warren Spahn. Oh, 13. Man. Yeah. 
and third with nine, Grover Cleveland Alexander. That one I, I probably never would have gotten. I know Grover Cleveland Alexander, but he's yeah, not not really. He doesn't really have a space in my head. If that <laughs> if that makes sense, I know who yeah. he is. Warren Spawn, a hundred percent should have gotten. Uh, Christy Mathewson, that would have been a little bit tougher. Warren Spawn, though, I should have. But that. You, you know all the na- you've heard yes, these names, yes. right? Warren so. Spawn had had the I, I I can picture his delivery in my head because it's really that long, over the top, crazy delivery with a h- super high leg kick. I can picture that like in a my Walter head. Walter Johnson, right? Yeah. Who you also guessed? Who I also guessed? Yeah. All right. Well, that so, was tough. So, so that was intentionally hard. Well, after after uh, your ballpark's question, I'm happy to get one of four. <laughs> to be from, honest with you, from from last week. So I have another trivia question for you. Okay. Seven players in Major League. This one should be easy. My dad just texted me Warren Spawn. Did he? I didn't. I didn't look at my phone while we were doing that. Anyway, seven players in Major League history tallied eight or more 200 hit seasons. Who were they, and which two players had the most? How many players again? Um, seven. So I have to guess all seven. As many as you can. Two two hundred hit or more seasons. There, there's two guys that you're never gonna get. Uh, Ichiro is definitely one of them. Ichiro. Yes, he did it, it multiple it, times. T- tied for ten. Tied for first with ten. Yeah, yeah. Um, this isn't. I mean, this is also very difficult. Honestly, Edgar Martinez. Nope. Uh, Griffey. Nope. Uh, did Lofton ever do it? Boy, man, you were not even close. I thought this was going to be... How are these more modern, older? Uh, How about DiMaggio? No. No? Most of them are older, but but Ichiro was a modern one. There's another guy who's a modern one. Uh, I mean, maybe Bonds did it. No. How do you you hit 73 home runs in a season and not get 200 hits in that year? Because they they walk you all the time. Power hitters don't do that. Power hitters don't get 200 seasons. So you immediately... Rod Carew? Immediately, you can you can basically. <laughs> I think there's one guy who's considered the power hitter on this list. Okay, uh, and he's from way back, way way back. Hmm. So that that's that's also Ted Williams. Did he do it? Nope. Really? He had four years in his career that were wow. lost because of the war. Well, that's true. That's true. Two hundred hit seasons. Wow, I really expected you to be. This, this one's harder. You're leaving I, this one out. That's so freaking obvious. I can't believe you're not getting it. Jeter didn't do it, did he? Jeter. Did he? He's not the guy you, I was talking about, but he is okay. tied. For, he is um, tied with for. Um, I don't know what place it would have been. One, two, three. So first, third. He's tied for fourth with eight. Okay. Uh, Babe Ruth. Again, you're naming power hitters, and they didn't play as many games back. I then. just figured Babe Ruth at some point would have hit two, had 200 hits. I mean, for multiple times. I mean, he's a guy who just he did everything. Hmm. Um, this is going to be an interesting one. I, I, I cannot believe you haven't named this guy yet. Really? Well, I mean, is he more modern? Is he? He's he, he played before your lifetime. Okay. But he is incredibly famous in baseball. Pete Rose. Oh, it's definitely Pete Rose. Pete Rose. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The all-time yeah. hits leader. He had yeah. he tied Ichiro with ten. Yeah. Now the other guys. Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Richie Ashburn. No. No. Okay. <laughs> I fa- Richie Ashburn's one of the better contact hitters of all time. I had to guess him. Um, There's a guy I can't believe you didn't guess. He's not on this list, but I can't believe you didn't guess him. Um, it's just hard to think. Thinking of these things on the spot is really. It's actually way more hard than you think it, it is. No, I, trust it's, me. I, I'm. We talked about yeah. this on the show a couple weeks ago. I'm really bad at instant recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, two hundred hits for that many times. Babe Ruth did have three two hundred hit seasons. And he had one only season three, where, and he had one season where he had one hundred and ninety nine. But Again, too bad. <laughs> but, 
They they only played 154 games. I can't believe Ted Williams never did that that many times. I'm, that's actually shocking to me. Um, Willie Mays, too much of a power hitter. He probably didn't do it. Uh, he just got... Ted Williams never had 200 hits in the that's, season. That's wild. That's wild. Because I can't he, believe that. He walked... 147, uh, 140, he walked over 140 times. One, two, three, four, five, six, what, what, six times. What about Mattingly? No. Never did it? No. No. Mattingly. Oh, man. Like what? I, I, made, a, <laughs> I made a joke with Laura a couple of years ago. I was like, what if everybody's been pronouncing Don Mattingly's name wrong his entire life and it's actually Mattingly? Joe Morgan. No. What? Really? Wow. Um, I, Barry Larkin, probably not. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm just thinking of the, I'm just thinking of the greats that I know were a yeah, little yeah, more yeah. a little more contact hitter, which Barry Larkin was, but probably not 200 hits. That right, many we, times. we are we are running out of time. I'm gonna give All you right, three, fair enough. I'm gonna give you you have one, two, three, four. You have four guys. I'm gonna give you four, I'm gonna give you five guesses. Okay. But let's let's make well, this a little bit more rapid fire. Modern or far back or since 1900. All right. Let, let's just let's just I'm gonna throw in the I'm gonna wave the white flag here. I'm just gonna right. throw in the towel. I, I don't want to take too long here. Ty Cobb oh. with nine. Yeah. Well. Lou Gehrig with oh, eight. Oh, yeah. He's a powerhouse. I, was I about. even guessed Imaggio. And then is... Paul Warner and Wee Willie Keeler. Never would have gotten those two yeah, guys. Yeah, those are the two guys who I knew you yeah. wouldn't get. Surprisingly, I don't even know who Keeler you is. You never said Tony Gwynn. Oh, uh, yeah. And I think Tony Gwynn yeah. had seven. And he hit like almost like well over 300 each year, so it makes sense. His career batting average is like 325. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a guy who you wouldn't think, Michael Young. Really? Had From six. Texas? Had, yeah, he had six 200-hit seasons. Wow. I was shocked. Michael Young. That never would have crossed my mind. Lou Gehrig should have gotten that, 100%. I really I really firmly believed that this, that was going to be an easier one. No, I mean, it, it's, naming seven is hard. If it had been like two or three, then I, I probably would have gotten it. But uh, I, I can't I believe I didn't g- guess Pete Rose first. That's the biggest travesty here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the fact I that mean, Tony Gwynn never even popped into your head kind of blew my mind. No, I, I yeah, I wasn't really thinking 90s-ish. I, I, was, I was thinking more like 1950s, 60s. So I, I don't know. And then I still didn't get Lou Gehrig. All right, so. let's... Let's, anyway, this is fun, but let's start making these trivia questions a little bit easier. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get easier moving forward, just because I think it's fun for our, because you also want our, our listeners to be able to to have a, even though we don't have an interactive way for them to give us guesses, yeah. we they want to be able to get the questions right, and we want to be able to get them right too. So let's let's start making these. They don't have to be like who played shortstop for the Orioles from 1982 to 2000 to to 1997, not something like that, but like. Let's make them a little bit easier moving forward. Fair enough, fair enough. My, my, right. da- my dad actually was sending me some guesses during this. So he guessed Pete Rose and Ty Cobb, but he also sent uh, Hornsby and Stan Musial. So uh, I, Musial is another one I was, I was thinking about guessing. But. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of 200-hit seasons. I mean, yeah, Ichiro yeah. did it his first 10 years. I See, I can remember Ichiro doing it because that was in my lifetime. And he that's did it consecutively, really, like, like ridiculous. Uh, yeah. That's a guy who should be a unanimous Hall of Famer. I oh, can't imagine that he, that he wouldn't be. Ichiro was really one of the greatest of all time. People don't talk about it enough, but yeah, he, he really is. One the, of the greatest players yeah. in the history of baseball. The, the, the five-tool player. He was a five-tool player. Yep. Uh, he, he didn't have the power, but Ichiro, because he didn't want to, Ichiro could have hit 40 home runs a year and, and, oh, and, uh, and lost 40 points on batting average to do it. People say that when, when they played with him, that he would hit the farthest home runs in batting practice of anyone. Mm. Anyone. He had massive power, but he just never showed it off. Yeah, Ichiro could hit home runs if he needed to. So. Right, exactly. Uh, real quick before we go, um, I know the Ravens season. Oh, you got a you got a 
I get a live read to do. Yes. Yeah, let's do that real quick. So Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every day from 10 to noon, live on YouTube at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, or on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash pressboxsports, or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio, with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Anthony Levine, senior before and after he announced his retirement, plus Bradley Bozeman, Jalen Smith, and the great John Miller. Find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com. I am like, I am like at a point where I'm kind of done with the local sports fans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's not that like I hate them. I don't hate them. I don't think anybody's stupid or anything like that. I'm just exhausted because people are talking about the Ravens are going to trade Lamar Jackson, and they're ta- uh, like, like what? No, they're not. I'm going to need you to say something here. So look, I I read the article yesterday. Uh, I. I there's some rumors going around that the Ravens have kind of soured on his off-the-field actions, is what I've heard. Uh, that was that was in the article uh, written by Russell Street Report, I believe it was. I don't doubt that Lamar Jackson has done some things that are a little bit maybe we don't know about because it, it did seem like the ankle injury was a. They didn't want to talk about him during that. They they it took a little bit longer for him to come back, and now he's sitting out of the Pro Bowl too because he, he still has that injury. So I don't I don't know what's going on with all that. Maybe there's some stuff that we don't know, and that these rumors are finally starting to surface. The Ravens aren't trading Lamar Jackson. No, they're just not. It's there's nothing to talk about there. They're they're you have not a trading Lamar Jackson. Defining quarterback, you don't just trade that guy. No, and and not only that. I mean, what, what, do you really think they're going to replace him with with what Tyler Huntley, who he showed really? I mean, obviously he's going to develop not, more, there, there, but he showed down the stretch he, he couldn't win them games. There's there's not a quarterback that you're going to go draft this year, right? Unless you're trading him to the Packers for Aaron Rodgers, and then you're drafting a guy in two years. Yeah. You can't get me on board with this. Right. Like how how could I be? There is no way. There's just no way. That's the way I'll, it's it's any anybody talking about the Ravens trading Lamar Jackson, you just got to consider all of the reasons of as why they would do that and really none of them make sense. And the off the field antics, if he was doing anything so detrimental to the franchise off the field, we would have heard about it. Yeah, I, I don't think that stuff would say. May, co- maybe it's the fact that he keeps endorsing Antonio Brown and I'm sure they've had multiple conversations. I bet with they don't him. love that. Yeah. You know, um I bet they've had multiple conversations with him saying we are not signing this dude. We can't put that in our locker room. Right, right. And he's like, "No, nah, he'd be good." Tom Brady <laughs> said he'd be good. Yeah. Uh, he, like well, he also took off his shirt and did jumping jacks in the end zone uh, in in New York. So yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> At least it was I'm not 61 sure. degrees that day. So. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what Tom Brady uh, what, what Tom Brady says really matters when you're you're jumping taking off your shirt and doing jumping jacks uh, during the middle of a game. But I I believe there's probably some stuff that maybe hasn't been exposed. But I don't know what that is, and I'm not going to speculate on what that it, is. But it, it, but it can't doesn't matter. Be anything that's world. No, like no, earth shattering. And so, so Barstool Banks. I'm sure you know who Barstool yeah, Banks yeah, yeah. is. He's a very reliable source who works at Barstool and, and, and blogs. And he came up with an article last week that said there was some stuff that hadn't surfaced, and he didn't know if it was going to surface this offseason. And then uh, this this report comes out this week that there are some things that maybe we didn't know about Lamar and what, what he's doing in the I guess off the field. And that's just those two are kind of combined those those two articles, and they're kind of referencing each other. So. 
I don't really know exactly what it is. Again, I'm not going to speculate on what it is, but the Ravens aren't trading Lamar Jackson. I can't imagine them doing it. It's just it's ridiculous to even think that. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for indulging us. Thanks to Stan the Fan Charles and Kyle Glazer of Baseball America. Thanks to Zach Goodman. Uh, you can follow him. What's your Twitter handle? It is at ZGoodman20. You should be at Orioles fan, like 8765 it, it, it was. And then I was like, well, I, that doesn't make much sense. Yeah, so. so go anyway. follow him at ZGoodman20. At ZGoodman20. You can follow me at Paul Valley the Third. Uh, we'll have another great show for you next week. Until then, as always, see ya.